Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Hi, this is uh, Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. Hey guys, this is Cam York from Team USA. Hello, this is Tim Stutzler. Hi, my name is Noel Gunnler. I'm Alexander Holtz of the Team Sweden. Hey, I'm Dylan Cousins. Hey, it's Phil Tomasino. Hi, this is Devin Levi. Major Junior. Looks back to the point, turns, fires, scores! What a shot! First OHO goal for Shane Wright. Right circle, shot, scores! Connor Bedard has arrived here at the Brad Center, is first in the Western Hockey League. NCAA. Save! Watch out! Watch out! UMass are national champions! The NHL Draft. I am Slash and Kosa. This is Don Gunther of the Emmett Snow Kings. This is Luna McLoom from UGarn here. Hi, I'm Brent Clark. Hi, uh, this is Matt Coronado from the Chicago Steel. It's Zachary LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Hey, it's Paul Stones with a two-fall stampede. This is Fabian LaSalle. I play for Lulio. Hey, it's Corson Kuhlman from Brooks Bandit. Hi, this is Chaz Lucius. This is Logan Sandkoven. I play for the Camels Blazers. It's just Wolfis from uh, Lulio Hockey. And more. Bring it! This is the Pipeline Show. Good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Key Flaming. That's me. If you're a long-time listener, then uh, welcome back to the program. Continued support is always greatly appreciated, especially if you're one of those who have been signing up to be a patron, coughing up a couple of bucks a month of your hard-earned money uh, to uh, help support the program, make sure that it keeps moving forward. I really, really appreciate that. If you're a newcomer to the program, then welcome aboard. Uh, we always get a lot of those as the NHL draft uh, comes up each year as a casual NHL fans tune in and want to hear more about uh, the eligible players uh, for the draft, which is understandable. I hope you'll uh, enjoy the show and continue uh, checking it out throughout the season. We always begin with a, a list of news and notes items, but uh, at this time of year, really, it's going to be pretty brief, this one, and we're going to get right into the show. We've got a big guest list today uh, and a lengthy show, so uh, the opening segment this week going to be fairly brief. It is obviously Memorial Cup season, and as I'm speaking with you now, it is a Saturday, a fairly early, right around noon on Saturday, my time, which means we know that the four-team Memorial Cup is now down to three teams. The Hamilton Bulldogs beating the Edmonton Oil Kings yesterday 3-2, actually 4-2 officially, with an empty net goal that right as time expired uh, that uh, they determined counts. Uh, so 4-2 the final in that game. And uh, that one victory for the Bulldogs is worth more than the one victory by the Oil Kings because Edmonton won their game over St. John in overtime. So the Oil Kings going into that last game against Hamilton, all they needed to do was not lose in regulation time, and that is exactly what happened. So if you're a WHL fan or an Edmonton Oil King fan, you're bummed right now because your team is done after what was a uh, fantastic season. One of the top-ranked teams in the Canadian Hockey League all year long, just uh, coming up short at the Memorial Cup. And that's there's no shame in that. This is a tournament that has three league champions and one team that is the host. And this year, the St. John Sea Dogs are definitely contenders. You can make a pretty good argument for any one of them uh, as uh, Memorial Cup champs. A lot of people picked Hamilton to be the winner. A lot of people picked Edmonton to be the winner. I was one who picked the Oil Kings to win, uh, and I'm not ashamed to say that that's uh, fully a biased uh, pick there. You know, it was unfortunate 
that uh, Dylan Gunther wasn't able to go for the Oil Kings. I think that really changed the dynamic on their power play. And what I thought there, I think there were two things that really hurt the Oil Kings in this tournament. One was that their every other team's best players were their best players. Uh, for the Oil Kings, you know, I think their top two lines struggled a bit. The, the third line with Jalen Lipen and uh, Jackson Weeb and Tyler Horseman, I think ended up being Edmonton's best line. And if your third line is your best line, that means your uh, top two lines aren't getting it done. It's not to say they didn't have their chances. I mean, Jake Neighbors was all over it. I think he ended up with uh, one point in the tournament. I'd have to pull up the stats to, to see for sure. Uh, and Justin sort of had chances, and Josh Williams had tons of chances, but just his his hands were his enemy uh, in this event. Jakob Demick played really well. He was good, strong at the faceoff dot. Carter Such, I thought, was his consistent effort. But for whatever reason, they weren't getting the, uh, enough production from their top two lines. Uh, I thought Sebastian Kosa was very, very good for 90% of the tournament. You know, the one goal in uh, game one against Shawinigan where he stumbled, lost his balance, then can, couldn't get back in position. Uh, I thought there was the first goal, was it the first or second goal against Hamilton? Sort of the wraparound, not really a wraparound, but that's not a goal that we see happen on Kosa very often. But he made some absolutely huge stops during the course of the event. Several breakaway opportunities where he was uh, up to the task. You know, I had somebody on Twitter tell me Kosa doesn't look very good and, you know, he's being outplayed by goalies. Uh, I did not think this was a uh, a bad tournament for Kosa at all. Hey, and uh, the Oil Kings get a win as WHL champions. That hasn't happened since the Kelowna Rockets back in 2015 where the WHL champion got a win at the Memorial Cup. The Oil Kings were able to break that. Disappointing that they come home as uh, the fourth place team, but they don't need to hang their heads. So now we know it will be a Schwinnigan against St. John uh, later today. And depending on what happens in that, we'll have the, the playoff uh, format. Hamilton is into the semifinal, just waiting to see who they will play. Hey, reminder, the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky, and I dare say it is the best beef jerky on the planet. W-I-L-H-A-U-K beefjerky.com. Good news if you live in Western Canada, because any order, any size, they will ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. Two locations, one in Leduc, Alberta, the other in Spruce Grove, Alberta, both bedroom communities of Edmonton. But get in contact uh, with Trent at the location in Leduc. You can do it right from their website online where you can order and place that uh, your request, and they will ship it to you. And uh, all my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk hotline. Go to troubledmonk.com slash shop if you want to place an order online to pick up. There are three places where you will pick up that order. In Red Deer, it would be at the Troubled Monk Tap Room. If you're in Edmonton, you can pick it up from the Bountiful Farmer's Market. Or if you're in Calgary, at the Calgary Farmer's Market. But anywhere in Alberta, any Alberta liquor store has access to Troubled Monk. So if they don't stock it already, demand that they do because they can absolutely get some Troubled Monk to your area. It doesn't matter if you're in Cardston or Cold Lake or Lac La Biche or way up in Flair. Maybe you're out in Sundry or Troshu. You don't have to be in one of the major city markets uh, to get access to Troubled Monk. It's available in all Alberta liquor stores. All right, as I mentioned, the opening segment today going to be very short. Here is the guest list and the order that we will hear. We're going to start with a trio of 2022 Draft Spotlight segments, and we will end it with a couple of scouts. 
We're going to begin with David Goyette of the Sudbury Wolves, a conversation I had with him back on, I think, June 13th. Last week, it was going to be in the show, but I pushed it because it ended up being a Memorial Cup preview show last week. And these conversations aren't dated. He hasn't played and hasn't done anything in the last uh, 10 days. So uh, you'll hear from David Goyette of the Sudbury Wolves. After him, it's going to be Nick Moldenhauer of the Chicago Steel. He's from Ontario, but played in the USHL last season and will again this coming year. Uh, both of those players, sort of first-round bubble players, maybe more likely to go in the second round. About players you need to know for the upcoming draft. Uh, after that, it'll be Charlie Wright, defenseman with the Saskatoon Blades. More of a later round pick, but those are important players as well. And here's a guy probably just still scratching the surface of his potential. So we'll get to know Charlie Wright of the Saskatoon Blades. And then we will end this week's show with a couple of scouts. And here's the format. I gave a bunch of scouts a list of like 10 categories. And uh, for instance, Chris Peters uh, from Daily Faceoff, he's going to be the first one up. He chose offensive defensemen, so he's going to tell us about five offensive defensemen that he really likes in the 2022 NHL draft. Then there's going to be a sleeper pick, doesn't have to be a defenseman, as well as a player that he likes, but not as much as everybody else seems to like. Uh, so we'll do that with Chris Peters, and we'll do it again in the final segment with Derek Newmeyer from FC Hockey. Now, Derek's category is under-the-radar players, guys who are probably going to get drafted higher in real life than most of the general public are expecting. And when it happens, it'll be like, oh, that guy, well, that's a reach to take that guy there. Well, these are five players that Derek thinks that is a realistic possibility with. So I think you're going to have, uh, you're going to find those two segments pretty interesting. That's what we're going to do for the next couple of weeks leading up to the draft as well. Still get some players in, but we're going to get the scouts in and pick their brain on the NHL draft. So lots to get to. Let's kick it off. With a 2022 Draft Spotlight segment, David Goyette of the Sudbury Wolves. He's coming up first here on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Here's Perlini. Perlini loads it up and he scores! It's a hat Hey, it's Brendan Perlini from Niagara Ice Dogs and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hey, everybody. An old man's talking. We are back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Go to W-I-L-H-A-U-K, beefjerky.com. It's Alberta's best. And if you live in Western Canada, you can have it shipped to you. You don't have to make the drive into Alberta. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. Unfortunately for my next guest, he's too far east uh, to uh, get some Wilhock beef jerky. As we turn on the 2022 draft spotlight, get to know another player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. And for this segment, we're heading out to Ontario. David Goyette of the Sudbury Wolves is my guest. David, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm doing well. Uh, I'm not just weeks away from being drafted into the NHL, though. So uh, tell me how you're feeling these days. Uh, you, you haven't played for, what, about a month, month and a half now? Uh, you've gone through the combine. Now it's just kind of waiting for the draft to come, isn't it? Yeah, no, exactly. It's just uh, it's, it's a long process. Obviously, uh, you know, this year was long, and uh, there's a lot of, of work uh, put into for the draft. So I think, uh, yeah, now, like you said, just kind of, waiting at home for for that day to come and uh, i'm very excited some guys have described it to me as it's like running a marathon you can see the finish line but it seems to take forever for it to actually get there is, are you feeling a little bit like that yeah for sure i mean uh you know i've got the date marked on my on my calendar for a while now so <laughs> uh it seems like it's getting closer but uh you know every day it's just one day at a time uh i try and take it one day at a time just to make it seem like it's you know, it's going a little faster, but yeah, no, I'm for sure um, uh, looking forward to it. David, maybe we'll start with most recent events, and for you, that would be the NHL Combine. Uh, what was that experience like, going to Buffalo and uh, uh, getting, uh, you know, watched and viewed by so many NHL scouts all in one building, lots of media there as well, you do all, a ton of interviews. I imagine it's a, a hectic pace uh, and might be a little intimidating. How do you How do you deal with that? Yeah, no, it was awesome. Um, for sure. Like going in, uh, for, to Buffalo, I didn't really know what to expect. Um, I just knew, you know, uh, you have a lot of interviews, uh, set up and then uh, obviously there's, uh, physical testing. So I think for me, I was, I was, uh, you know, prepared for those interviews. I think I did a good job at, um, getting ready for those. And then, uh, obviously the first couple ones, I was very nervous, but, um, I, I think after that, um, you know, everything went well. Um, and as for the the physical testing, I think I've always been a, a really good athlete. So for me, it wasn't something I was too worried about. But um, I obviously wanted to do well. So um, no, with, with the outcome, I think I was very happy of uh, myself, and I think the week went really well. What's what's tougher going into a, you know probably a hotel room or something like that, meeting an NHL team, and it might be some stup- superstar, maybe a Hall of Famer or something in the room waiting for you to ask you some tough questions. Or is it, you know, riding the bike with a camera right in your face and a guy yelling at you trying to spur you on? What What's more difficult, the physical testing or those interviews? Yeah, I, I think what's more difficult is definitely the testing. But mm-hmm. um, I think, uh, like, even those interviews were, were very stressful, just, you know, knowing you're, you're talking to, you know, the GMs and um, all the scouts in the room. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's nerve-wracking, obviously, going into a room with, um eight or eight or nine you know different people from from the team trying to get to know you better um so obviously that was uh very nerve-wracking but uh the testings though are definitely really hard i mean you want to do well and perform uh, perform well so um obviously it's something i i really wanted to do good at and uh obviously i was really happy of the outcome for for me and uh was uh, it was just an awesome week overall i imagine you had a lot of interviews to do yeah, I think I had uh, 26 in total, so a wow. uh, long week for sure. Well, so you're well prepared uh, and uh, practice now for, for interviews. I, I actually, at this point of the season, I'm, I'm sure you're probably tired of doing media and stuff, aren't you? Well, I wouldn't sound tired. I, I, I like doing media stuff, obviously. I think it's it's cool, and uh, it's all, I always do, enjoy doing those. But, um, yeah, no, there's definitely a lot during during the year, so um but uh no it's always nice doing media stuff i I enjoy it all right well well, david goyette is my guest he's uh, a forward with the sudbury wolves uh, after a season where he led the team in scoring and uh led it by a pretty significant margin 23 points ahead of the next player 
on the team. David, tell me about this season for you and for the club, what your expectations were coming into the year after not having a, an OHL season at all the year previous. I don't know what you had uh, in terms of expectations. Yeah, no, I think for us we had, uh, you know, our expectations were just really to um, get together as fast as we could. And obviously we had a whole different team from uh, the previous year. Um, because of COVID, just a lot of players leaving and new players coming in. So we were also a very young um, team in the league. Uh, so I think for us, we were just trying to, you know, get together as fast as we could and um, play our game. And our goal was really just to learn this year and do as, as good as we could. Um, and I think, um, you know, with, with the year we had, we've really um, focused on that. But I think next year, as soon as we get, um, you know, ready for the season I think we'll be uh, ready right off the bat to have a have a big season and I think uh, with a year under our belts um, I think we'll come out strong out of the gates for sure. Well this should have been your second season in the OHL but it was your rookie year 73 points in 66 games I have to think you're pretty happy with that uh, 33 of those were goals uh, were you satisfied with uh, your production? Yeah I think for me I had a, I had a good year personally uh, obviously um, you know I was playing on a, on a team that um, allowed me to have good opportunities to produce offensively. Um, but, you know, I think for me, I, I developed a lot this year. I was playing against the top lines on um, other teams, obviously. So I think for me, I was really, it was a good year for me to develop and learn to be responsible in, in my own zone and to produce at the same time. So, um, you know, yeah, I had a really good year offensively, but also learned a lot defensively for sure. How'd you spend last year, uh, the season previous, the one where there was no OHL season? Yeah, I tried to uh, get a few games in. I actually flew down to Tampa Bay to play four games in the NCDC bubble. Hmm. Um, so I got four games in there, and then um, they actually um, decided to send me back home because I had an OHL contract. Okay. Um, and then I came back home and played, uh, I think, 10 games with uh, the Hawksbury Hawks. Uh, my whole t- hometown team, uh, Junior A. So it's pretty much all I got in uh, the year, well, the COVID year. And then um, my my dad and I built the gym in my garage just so that I could, you know, keep working out and um, get ready for, for the season. I imagine that must have been a really tough year, though. When you look around, you see the, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League is trying to play, and they get through probably, you know, half of a season. The, the Western Hockey League played shortened seasons, but they got some games in, and, you look down south and you played a little bit in the NCDC, but uh, the USHL pretty much had a full season off and on. But everybody else seemed to to get some games in, but not the OHL. Was that tough just from a mental standpoint? Oh, yeah, definitely. It was, it was frustrating. Uh, like just seeing everyone got a few games in at least. And our, our league just, um, you know, obviously shut down. But I think for me... Um, I just like, there's nothing I could control, right. It's, uh, really out of my control. So yeah. I was really trying to get, uh, my focus towards this, the season, the next, like following season. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just get to work and, uh, focus on, on the following season because there's nothing I could do at that point. So, um, but yeah, for sure, really hard mentally. I had to, you know, um, you know, take a few weeks to really, um, talk to a sports psychologist and uh, just make sure I, I stay focused and um, a very challenging year but uh, you know I think I think I made the best out of it. 
Well, as I mentioned, 73 points in 66 games, pretty much split uh, fairly evenly between goals and assists. Do you see yourself more as a shooter or a setup guy? Yeah, I see myself more as a playmaker. I think I've been considered more as a playmaker my whole career. Um, but I'm also a guy that, that can finish when it's when it's time. You know, I think you kind of do both, but uh, I would say I'm more of a, a playmaker first. David Goyette of the Sudbury Wolves, my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the 2022 Draft Spotlight. Uh, David, the Pipeline Show is a prospect. Uh, it's a junior and college hockey prospect show, so my regular audience will know all about the OHL and, and the other junior leagues in North America, and they'll obviously know about the Sudbury Wolves. But there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who will listen to a segment like this because you're a draft-eligible player, and a lot of those people won't know anything about uh, you or the, the the Wolves or the OHL. So for the benefit of that part of the audience, maybe let's start at the beginning. Can you tell me where you grew up? Yeah, um, I grew up in uh, Mirabel in Quebec mm-hmm. um, until I was 13. Uh, then I, did, I uh, moved to Hawkesbury uh, in Ontario, um, played uh, my minor and major Bantam years um, with the Eastern Ontario Wild um, in the Ottawa region. And then um, my U15 year, uh, which would be minor midget, I went to play down down south in the states for uh, South Cancel X Academy. Uh, then yeah, I played there uh, for for that year, um, and uh, yeah, and then I got drafted in, into the OHL for the for the Sudbury Wolves. All right, so you're from Quebec, but drafted by an OHL team, and I guess you qualified in OHL territory because you'd been living there for three or four years. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, now, tell me what led you to, to play for uh, Selects Academy. I know I had a teammate of yours from that year, Jordan Dume, who was on the program, well, I guess about two months ago, back in, in March. And the two of you destroyed the uh, that league that year. I mean, you, both of you were in the top 10, I think, of, of league scoring. 153 points in just 65 games, making a mockery of the goaltenders in the league that year. Uh, what led you there, though, first? Yeah, I think... Uh... I, I really didn't know if I was going to go OHL or NCAA at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of looking at both options. Um, my family's always been big on, on school, obviously. So uh, I think my, my goal there was really to learn um, kind of what it was like being at a school like that and living in a dorm, um, moving away from home for the first time, uh, obviously, is a, is a big deal, um, especially as a, as a 14-year-old. So. I think that's kind of what led to that decision, um, you know, having more schools looking at you and um, stuff like that. So that's kind of why I decided to go play there. Terrific year for yourself and uh, and for Jordan and several other players who are also draft eligible this year, wherever they're playing now, some with the U.S. national program, guys in the USHL, wherever. Eventually, you decide to go to the OHL. What led you back to the Ontario Hockey League? Yeah, I think for me it was more, uh, you know, I, I was um, talking to my agent and family and uh, some coaches and programs uh, in the NCAA. Uh, and uh, after hearing all that they had to say, I think um, kind of sat down with my agent and family and uh, we decided together that um, uh, to further my career, I think it'd be better for me to go play in the OHL. Um and yeah, I'm very happy with with that decision. Obviously, I think I had a really um, good year uh, this year, and um, I'm looking forward to next year. Well, you you uh, were drafted very high by the Sudbury Wolves, eleventh uh, overall back in 2020. I imagine that there's some pressure that goes along with that because the, the organization used a, a high draft pick on you, so they're going to have expectations. The fan base obviously will expect you to be a, a difference maker. 
Is it fair to say that nobody expects more from you than maybe you yourself? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I've always, always had uh, really high standards for myself. And um, I think it really helps at the end of the day. I think um, every year I set goals for myself to achieve and um, I always either get really close to them or achieve them. So I think it's important and uh, something I do every year. The goals that you set for yourself, are they statistical goals like this many goals, this many points? Yeah, I think there's a little bit, a little bit of both. I think there's um, obviously some personal goals like that, and uh, but also just you know playing my game. I think I set goals for myself, just you know, because at the end of the day, yeah, it's it's nice getting points, but you know you have to do certain things to get those points. So mm-hmm. I think for me, um, it's more you know using my my strong assets like my speed and my vision are things that really help me, um, you know, show my offensive abilities. So. I think they're, my goals are really more showing what I'm capable of. So, All right. Well, the sheet I'm looking at says 5'11", 174 pounds, but I don't know how up-to-date that is, if that was at the start of the year or halfway through. Or What are you at right now? Yeah, I'm still 5'11", uh, 175, so pretty much the same, yeah. Do you think you've topped out height-wise? Uh, hopefully not. I mean, uh, my dad's pretty tall. He's 6'3", and hmm. I got two uh, little brothers that are pretty pretty tall as well, so um i don't think i'm uh i'm at my uh max height but um i don't know we'll see all right well how much is the draft uh in well obviously it's your focus right now that's the next big thing on the calendar but over the course of the season and a lot of players will tell me they don't want to think about the draft at all because they don't want it to be a distraction there are other players that will tell me they actively look to see all right where does tsn at me rank or central scouting or Sportsnet or whoever and they use that as motivation uh what about for you david yeah, I think I'm I uh, I'm someone that obviously looks at them. Mm-hmm. Um throughout the year I've I've worked my my way up. Um I think yeah, I think I've worked I've used them as motivation, I would say because I know what I'm capable of and um you know, obviously when you see a ranking you kind of want to know what that person thinks of you. So I think you know, everyone kind of looks at them, but um it's important to not just, you know, base your game um on those rankings. Um I think, you know, I've throughout the year, I've tried to play my game. And um, when I played with more, more confidence, I think I really worked my way up um, in the rankings. So, uh, yeah, I'm somebody that, that, that'll look at them. But, you know, I don't I'll try and pay much attention to them because obviously rankings, um, you know, they differ from um, different people. But at the end of the day, the, the uh, 32 NHL teams are going to make their decisions. And to me, it's it's them that I really try and impress. I wonder, does it matter where in the draft you're actually taken? I don't mean by which team, but you know, does it matter to you if you're a first rounder or a second rounder? Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, it just it's an an open door. It's just the next step. But you know, what if you're a fifth rounder by some fluke? Does it really matter to you what part of the draft you're taken in, or is it just a, a pride thing? You're a competitive guy and you want to go as high as possible. Yeah, no, I I say yeah. For me, it, it matters. I mean, you know, I've worked really hard my whole life and. Um, like it's kind of, you know, a, a reward, um, the highest you go, you know, it's something you've looked forward to your whole career. And obviously you want to, you want to be the best. And, um, I think for sure, yeah, for me, I, I want to be a first round pick and, uh, it's always been my dream and I've, I've worked my whole life for that. So yeah, I, I really want to be a high pick, um, and something I'm, uh, really looking forward to. So, um, yeah, I, I won't, I won't lie and tell you, I, I don't want to be a, you know, pick as high as I can. Obviously that's the goal. 
Um, but yeah, like you said, it's just it's just a, a door that's open. But um, yeah, for me, it, my goal is really to be a first round pick in the NHL. Well, whichever team selects you, uh, their fan base is going to want to know. And you've mentioned a lot of focus this year on just playing your game. That fan base wants to know what your game is. Uh, how do you describe yourself as a player and what you bring to the table? Yeah, I think I'm a very competitive and smart player. Um, I can play in both ends of the ice and um, bring a lot offensively. Uh, I think I'm a smart player that likes to make players around me better. Uh, I think that's something that um, I do. And uh, I'm a very fast player that can, you know, uh, change the game. Uh, so very uh, imp- impactful player that, that can bring a lot. Before I let you go, I know the Wolves didn't make the playoffs this year, which is unfortunate, but it also provides you the opportunity to go play overseas at the World U18 for Team Canada. I know the the tournament there didn't go Canada's way, but having that experience after the last couple of years with all the COVID stuff, not getting any international action in, um, that I imagine was a a thrill, but it's also an opportunity, a a big showcase event like that. Uh, What did that mean for you? Yeah, no, it's it's an honor every time you uh, get to represent your country. Obviously, I was thrilled when uh, when I got the call, and um, you know, it's it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And um, obviously, now um, that that tournament's uh, over, I think my goal is going to be obviously making the World Junior Team. But mm-hmm. uh, it was awesome. I mean, uh, going over to Germany and playing for your country, uh, it was it was just an awesome tournament, and getting to know you guys is um yeah really great experience as a guy from quebec but uh spending the last few years in ontario uh who was your your favorite nhl team growing up and did it maybe change as you moved around yeah i think uh well my family's always been um uh, you know big montreal Canadiens fans sure um i've been uh i was one of them uh at some point too but i think now i'm more of a toronto maple leaf uh fan <laughs> so uh, that's where I stand at. <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, uh, David, I really appreciate your time. I, I've been trying to set this uh, interview up for a, a, a few months now, so I'm glad I was able to track you down before the draft itself. Uh, best of luck, whatever happens uh, at that event, and uh, we'll be following you from afar over the next couple of years. Uh, thanks for having me. That was David Goyette of the Sudbury Wolves, who uh, finished well ahead of the his closest teammate, in terms of scoring for the Sudbury Wolves, guy who is ranked pretty much by everybody as top 45. Uh, a lot of people have him in the first round, but there are a couple of rankings I've seen out there that have him as an, an early day two pick. Uh, so we'll see what happens with David Goyette. Pretty intriguing player, though. Maybe not the biggest guy in the world, but, you know, there's lots of players listed at 5'11", 180-ish pounds, 185, uh, playing in the NHL. So no chance you should be discounting David Goyette uh, from not being uh, big enough uh, to play in the NHL. My next guest, also not a big guy, also eligible for the upcoming draft. It's another 2022 draft spotlight. This time we're heading to Chicago as I'm slated to speak with Nick Moldenauer of the Chicago Steel out of the USHL. That's next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Adam Fantilli. Spins a pass, though. Samuskevich up high, scores! The Stingray in overtime, up high! Pierce is one by Corpy, and Chicago wins a thriller. Four to three, Mackie Samoskevich, welcome back, Stingray. Hey, this is Mackie Samoskevich from Chicago Steel, and this is the Pipeline Show. Passion. 
talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Ben Bishop. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Andy Green. And Ryan Miller were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Well, We are back on The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. We're going to continue on with the 2022 draft spotlight uh, segments and get to know another player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. The program brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. W-I-L-H-A-U-K beefjerky.com. WilhawkBeefJerky.com. Uh, but my next guest, uh, not able to get it because he's not in Western Canada. And uh, for this segment, we are heading to, well, I'm not sure where he is right now, uh, but he plays for the Chicago Steel out of the USHL. Uh, Nick Moldenauer, uh, welcome back. Uh, welcome to the Pipeline Show, Nick. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. Uh, where are you right now? Because I, I know you're from Ontario, but you play in Illinois. Uh, but uh, when uh, we uh, chatted just a, a moment ago, like it said, New Jersey on my phone. So where are you at right now? Yeah, so I'm in Mississauga right now. Um, I still got my New Jersey number from a few years ago, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm back home in Mississauga right now, chilling with the family. Nice to be back. So That can't be the greatest cell phone plan when you're in Canada and you're using an American number. I guess that works for you in Chicago, though. It's actually It's actually really good. I have like unlimited data for USA and Canada, so it works out pretty nice. Wow, they they have better cell phone plans than than we do up here. It sounds like. Oh yeah, oh yeah, way better. <laughs> well, Nick, I'm glad I get a chance to speak with you. The the draft not that far away now. Uh, I, at this point of the season, when I talk to players, most of them describe it sort of like a marathon, where you can finally see the finish line. It's been such a long wait to get to this point. Are you feeling a little bit the same? Where you know we're just what three weeks away from the draft now, and it'll be uh, great when you finally get to that point. Yeah, um, I mean, definitely. Um, I think for me, I'm just kind of taking it all in. Um, it's all, all drafts only going to happen one time for me. So um, I'm, I'm just trying to take it all in and um, not kind of rush through it and uh, just enjoy the whole process. So Okay. Well, you had a lot going on this year, this uh, being your NHL draft season. I mean, it's a big one as it is. Take me back to the start of the year. I know you had uh, an illness uh, that it was described to me as mystery virus, so I'm not even sure what it was. Uh, and then he took the skate in the face, and that was obviously a, a pretty serious situation. Uh, but it ended so well. Uh, how do you describe this year when you look back at it? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a, a tough start. Um, I think considering the tough start, I thought I finished really, really well and um, showed well for myself. But, yeah, I, I got sick the first week into training camp. Um got tested for everything was in and out of the hospital and they never really found out what was wrong they just said it was some sort of viral infection and um they couldn't figure out what it was exactly um so that kind of put me out for two months and then finally got back into game shape and ready to to get going finally and start my season um and then my very first shift back about 30 seconds into the game i got a skate to the face um, had to get rushed to the hospital and, and have surgery done. Um, and that put me out for just over a month again. So I kind of missed the, the entire first half of the, this year. 
Um, but then, I mean, uh, after Christmas, I think that's when I really started to, um, be able to, to play hockey again, like I, like I love to do. And, uh, it definitely took me a little bit to get back in shape. But I think once, once I was kind of back into, into game shape and ready to, ready to get going, I, I showed really well for myself and finished the year strong. 43 points in 41 games this year with the Chicago Steel. Uh, going back to the illness situation, uh, I promise we're not going to spend a lot of time on that stuff, but, uh, just, you know, if a guy's got mono, he might be laid up for two months, but at least you know what the problem is. Uh, for you, I mean, that must have been frustrating and probably a little scary not knowing what it was. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it was definitely a little weird, um, especially when I was in the hospital. And um, it's, it's one of the worst I've ever felt in my life. So for them not to really know what's going on was a little scary. But uh, once I started to feel better, um, I just kind of tried to put it in the past and um, just, just think about what I could control. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely a little scary, but got through it. So Scott Wheeler at the athletic uh, for the uh, benefit of the audience, uh, did a great story on you, uh, back during the, the world U18. So if people want to catch up on that, go check that article out. Lots of details on the, the illness and the injury, uh, in that article. Uh, let's focus on the hockey though. And I guess with the time off uh, from the start of the season with the illness and the injury, you're talking about how long it took you to get probably your 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 fitness level back up your endurance and and your timing right is that the is that the challenge maybe is to get back to game shape as quickly as you can yeah yeah pretty much um i think it it was definitely tough um it was definitely went through some adversity i mean i lost 20 pounds when i when i was sick so um trying to put as much weight back on mid-season while playing games and practicing every day um was definitely a grind but um got through it and just kept pushing forward. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought I, I thought I worked through it and, um, got better and better and more confident as the season kind of went on, the game started to slow down for me. So, um, I think it was tough, but I, I think I did really well. You'd, uh, dipped your toe in the USHL water the previous season, six games, you had two points. Then just having that limited experience, did that help you get ready for this year, which would have been your, your first full rookie season in the USHL? Um, yeah, I think, it, I think it did help me a little bit. Um, I think it would have helped a lot more if I started the, um, started the year with the team right away, sure. um, and wasn't really out, but, um, it definitely just kind of given me that taste of, of junior hockey and what it's like. I think definitely was, a, was a good benefit for, for me to kind of see what it's like and start to get, um, adjusted to the pace of play, um, earlier than rather than later. So, um, I, I definitely think it helped. Well, we're used to the Chicago Steel being one of the top teams in the USHL, and that was the case again this year. And, and uh, lots of talented players on the roster that go on and have collegiate success, and and uh, many of them have been drafted now. Uh, so you knew you were going to be surrounded by talented players. Who did you get to play with for the most of uh, the season that uh, that you were able to play? Um, I'd say my my two main line mates were uh, Jack Harvey and Zam Plant. Um, we we kind of clicked really really well together and. Um, finished finished the season out together as well. Um, we we really started to to light it up with I'd say probably twenty fifteen games left in the season and then into playoffs as well. We did really well. Um, so I, I'd say those were my two main line mates. Um, very both very very good players and um, we played on real off e- with each other and just kind of always knew where each other was going to be all over the ice and read off each other had the ability to to make plays um, really really well at a high level. So. Um, it was super fun playing with those two guys, and I, I'm looking forward to, to playing with them again next year. 
Nick Moldenauer is my guest. He's a uh, forward with the Chicago Steel, the the regular season, and you get to go play in Germany with C- Team Canada at the World U18, and then come back in time for uh, the, uh, uh, the your first round of the uh, the USHL playoffs. I know the Steel had a bye in the first round, and that enabled you to go uh, play in Germany. Tell me about that experience going overseas and, and representing Canada. Yeah, that was super, super cool. Um, I mean, although we came up a little short and probably didn't have the greatest tournament, um, I, I think overall it was a really cool experience. You know, anytime you kind of get to throw that, that Canadian jersey on, it's it's an honor. So um, I think that was super, super cool, as well as just being able to, to play against and see the, the really good European players you've never really seen or played against before um, was really cool as well. So um, I think overall it was an unreal experience. Was that your first time getting to represent Canada? Yep. Well, that's got to be a thrill. And getting to do that with a teammate, Adam Fantilli, that, that went over at the same time, uh, that's got to be extra exciting. Were there other players on uh, Team Canada that you had played with at younger ages? So that there are some other familiar faces for you? Yeah, I played with um, a bunch of them with, in spring hockey. And then um, Coach Adelic and Matthew Morden I played with on the Toronto Titans for um, – a few years actually growing up, so uh, definitely knew a lot of the guys, which made it cool as well. Well, as you mentioned, it didn't go Canada's way that event, but you had three points in four games. Were you happy with your performance over there? Yeah, I thought I, I thought I played well. Um, I thought I showed well for myself. I think um, one of the one of the things that was tough over there was just trying to uh, build build chemistry with um, some of the guys. You know, the lines kind of changed a lot, so it was really hard to to kind of get some chemistry going with with a group of with a group of guys so um i think that was probably the toughest part but i think overall i played really really well and i think i showed well for myself yeah finding chemistry on the ice and maybe chemistry off the ice i mean this wasn't a team until about a week before the tournament because you had all these guys who were still trying to make their chl playoffs to try to come together as a cohesive unit in such a short period of time that must have been a real challenge for you guys yeah yeah that was definitely tough um I mean, I think off-ice relationships really, really helped to translate onto the ice. So I think um, just being able to kind of had more time to spend with with uh, those guys and kind of build a little bit more of a bond would have definitely helped. But um, the circumstances were what they were, and um, I think we played well as a team. Um, and I think we did did pretty well, but I think our penalty kill could have used a little bit of work, and um, I think we would have done a little bit better overall in the tournament, but. Um, yeah, definitely a great group of guys. A pretty unique experience, though, to, to finish the regular season, then go play in an international tournament and come back in time for your, your club team's uh, playoffs. Uh, how does that come together? Was that a, a conversation that you and Adam had with the Chicago Steel? How does that work? Yeah, so um, Adam and I were kind of on the on the fence between uh, going and not going. Um, we didn't want to really leave the guys right before we were making a big playoff push. Um, but I think at the end of the day, um, whenever you kind of get a chance to, to kind of touch on what I was saying earlier, whenever you get a chance to put on that jersey, you, sh- you should take advantage of it. Um, it's, it's truly is an honor. So we ended up going. Uh, it worked out perfectly where we didn't have to miss any playoff games and could come back right uh, right away and get ready for playoffs. Um, so, yeah, we, we had a talk with our, our head coach and, uh, general manager and just kind of talked it all out and see if it made sense and um, it did so we, we ended up going and uh, we were able to, to get back and ready for playoffs yeah fortunately those playoffs ended uh, for the steel uh, fairly early getting upset by 
the Madison uh, uh, Capitals in the USHL second round yep. of the playoffs. Uh, Nick Moldenauer is my uh, guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, Nick, uh, the the Pipeline Show is a junior and college hockey show, so my regular audience will will know about the USHL and they'll you'll be on their radar already. Uh, but there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who will tune into a segment like this just because you're a draft eligible player. They might not know anything about you. So for the benefit of that audience, uh, let's get some background if you don't mind. Um, you mentioned you're in Mississauga now. Is that where you're born and raised? Yeah, so I was born in uh, Oakville, Ontario. Um, grew up in Mississauga my whole life. Um, I got I got an older brother named Matthew. And, uh, dad's name is Michael. Mom's name is Lori. Um, pretty tight family. Uh, we we get along really well. Um, I, I've played hockey since I was four years old, and um, still loving it. So that's kind of my passion in life. I love to. To, I love to cook, actually, as well, uh, a little bit of a curveball. And then hmm. my big thing in the off season is golf, so I love to get out on the course. What's your uh, go-to recipe? Um, I make a lot of different things. Um, I'd say one of my go-tos is just a nice steak. Um, throw, it in the, throw it in the cast iron skillet, a little butter, rosemary, garlic, and baste it up. So I'd say that's one of my go-tos when I'm hungry. Nice. Hard to beat that. That's for sure. Oh yeah. You're a, you're a forward now. Have you always been a forward, Nick, or did you try the blue line or uh, heck even throw the pads on? No, I mean I I was uh I think I played goalie a few times when when I was really young when everyone had to play goalie through the rotation. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I've always been a forward growing up. Kind of left wing, right wing, center. Kind of play all the positions. So. I've always been a forward growing up. Yeah, the sheet I'm looking at says center slash right wing. So do you find yourself either in the middle or on that side? And Do you have a preference? Um, I don't really have a preference. Uh, I play both. I love to play both. Um, I'd probably say center just because uh, I like taking face-offs. I'm good at them. So hmm. I'd probably say center for that reason. All right, right-handed center. Those are uh, always valuable come draft time, that's for sure. Uh, is that a, a an aspect of the game, taking face-offs, winning face-offs, that – uh, is it it is is it a skill that you e- you either have or you don't have or is it something that you can improve uh, with a lot of practice? Um, I think you can definitely improve improve your faceoffs. I think um, some people are just better than others at faceoffs, but I think um, it's really like anything. I think you, if you just put your mind to it and put in the work, um, you're going to get better at it eventually. So um, yeah, you can you can definitely get better at, better at faceoffs. That's for sure. The sheet I'm looking at says 5'11 and 170 pounds. I don't know how up-to-date that is, though. Uh, what are you at now? Yeah, that's pretty up-to-date. Okay. Is that is that a, a comfortable weight for you? Uh, you talked about the weight loss earlier this season, so are you still trying to bulk up uh, a little bit more, or is that where you 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 feel uh, comfortable? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm trying to bulk a little bit right now. Um, put on a few pounds this summer and um, be, be ready to for the season in case I lose a, a few. Um, cause you always lose it. It's, it's hard to maintain all your weight from the summer, uh, throughout the season, but, um, yeah, I'm definitely going to put on a little bit more weight, get a little bigger, stronger. So, um, I, I think it'll, I think it'll help me as well, but yeah, I, I'm definitely going to put on a little bit of more weight. All right, Nick, uh, the situation with COVID here, the last, uh, two, two and a half, well, since 2019, 2020, uh, it's messed up everything for a, a lot of people. Uh, for yourself, you're a, a first-round pick of the Ottawa 67s. In fact, a, a pretty high first-round pick, a 20th overall uh, that year. Uh, no OHL last season. So was that kind of what led you to where you are now? You were scrambling, looking for somewhere to play, and ended up with Chicago? 
Yeah, I mean, um, kind of when that COVID year happened, I was always on the fence between uh, NCAA and OHL um, from the beginning. Uh, but kind of when that COVID year happened and the OHL wasn't playing, that was kind of my cue to, to head to the States where there was actually hockey going on so I could continue to do what I love. Um, so I played for the North Jersey Avalanche for a year. Um, that summer, the Chicago Steel had just drafted me mm-hmm. um, and they had my rights. So when I was in New Jersey, um, they had called me up just after Christmas and then I got to finish the year with them and, and win a Clark Cup with them as well, which was a pretty cool experience. Um, but yeah, once once that COVID year kind of happened and I was in the States and then got a taste of what, what Chicago was like and um, how how high end their development is and uh, just how they how they do things over there um, that kind of sealed the deal for me and I wanted to go back so take me back to New Jersey for a sec how does that come on your radar or is that uh, your your agent slash family advisor that that kind of finds that uh, that opening for you yeah so I mean uh, one of my best friends lives down the street Mick Thompson he was playing in New Jersey um, the the year before that um, he left uh, the GTHL and his minor major year to go down to the to the states, um, and he kind of just told me about the whole program and said it's unreal here. Um, nothing's going on in Ontario. You got to come, come play hockey down here. Um, so I, I decided to go. Um, there's a there's a rink in in the house pretty much, so we would skate three three four times a day and work out. And uh, there's a gym on property as well, so. It was it was super cool experience. There's a bunch of billets there. Um, super close with them. They'll be my brothers for life. So um, I'm definitely glad I did that and actually got to got to play hockey that year. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I ended up down there. Was was one of my neighbors, one of my buddies growing up. Nice. Well, a real good season. I, well, it's only 13 games with 33 points in those 13 games for the North Jersey Avalanche. So that was only like our AYHL games, which was our, our only like league games. But we would play, we played like showcases and tournaments almost every weekend. So I probably got in around 70 games that year. Oh, fantastic. Well, that really keeps you ahead of the, the curve here for a lot of guys, especially your OHL counterparts who didn't get to play at all last year. So that was really beneficial for you to go down there and play that much. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, this coming season, I believe you're back in Chicago to play with the Steel again. I know you, you could go the OHL route, but uh, once you're down this path, as far as you've you've been, are are you going the the NCAA path? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go back to Chicago one more year, um, considering I missed so much this year, um, and then just kind of decide where I want to commit in the next little bit and um, head to school after that. So, well, you still, I'm sure you got lots of options. Uh, there'll be a lot of programs who will be contacting you and uh, you reach out to them I'm sure as well once you've made your decision or what helps you make that decision what are you looking for in a in a in an NCAA program what will be the right fit for you yeah I think I think a big thing is just the overall feel um, just like what the campus is like what the the environment is like um, kind of just the atmosphere and that kind of thing I think that's a big thing just the, the overall feel as well as the coaching staff um, you want to bond well with the coaching staff and you want you want them to really want you at their program, and um, you, although you're gonna you're gonna help the school and, and try and help them win as much as they can, um, I, I want them to help me and kind of push me to the next level. So um, I think that's a big thing I look for as well. And then I'm a pretty smart kid, so uh, I'm looking for a pretty good school to, to get a good education from as well. I haven't really asked you about the draft, and uh, that's the the next big thing on the calendar here for you. So 
uh, over the course of this season, has the draft been on your mind nonstop, or are you one of those players who doesn't want to be distracted by the draft and, and push that to the back of your head? I know there are players who act who, who tell me they actively look to see where they're ranked by all the various scouting agencies out there and they use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you, Nick? Yeah, I mean, um, definitely see the rankings that come out. Um, I mean, I, I definitely use that as motivation, you know. Um, anything really, you can use that to, to kind of push you and um, help you work even harder. But I, I don't, I honestly don't think too much of it. Um, the draft's just kind of the start for me. And um, no matter where I get selected, I feel like it's just the start. And um, where I need to, keep, need to really gear it up is after and um, keep pushing and getting bigger, stronger, faster, and uh, just gear up for my next season and, and keep getting better and um, hopefully keep working my way up the, the rankings and um, get to that next level, which is my end goal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not too hung up on, on the draft and not too worried about it, but um, I'm really looking forward to that day. And, um, I, I mean, it's been a been a goal of mine ever since I was a little bit little kid to, to get drafted to the NHL, so I'm definitely looking forward to it, but not too hung up with all the uh, all the rankings and stuff like that. Well, one team will draft you, and there'll be fans of that team who look into your, uh, you know, go to a website and pull up your stats, and that might not give them the whole picture, though. Uh, but 43 points in 41 games, all the points you you piled up last year, 122 points in your last uh, season with the Toronto Titans. Uh, obviously, you're an offensive guy, but the numbers might not paint the uh, or tell the whole story. How do you describe yourself as a player, Nick? Yeah, I'm a 200 foot player. Um, I see the ice really, really well. Um, just kind of my ability to make plays and read off my teammates and kind of find that soft area of the ice um, is really, really high end. Um, my my competing level is super, super good. Um, I work really, really hard uh, day in and day out. So uh, that kind of helps me win battles and keep plays alive in games. So um, I'd, I'm saying, I'd say I'm a 200 foot player who sees the ice really, really well. Um, my compete level is super high and I have the ability to put the puck in the back of the net as well. Toronto area guy growing up, does that automatically make you a Leafs fan? Or uh, maybe are the Blackhawks rubbing off in you now that uh, you've been in Chicago the last little bit? Uh, who is your team growing up? Yeah, I mean, I when I was really, really little, um, I was kind of a bandwagon for the Chicago Blackhawks, which <laughs> uh, is crazy that I ended up in Chicago. Uh, it's just a little bit of a coincidence. But yeah, I'm a Leafs fan. Um, I was I was in the, the Leafs square for when they lost that that game um which was definitely heartbreaking so um they they went up like two uh in the last like 30 something seconds in the in the uh second period they just potted two to to tie it and go ahead mm-hmm. so we we everyone in the crowd thought it was secured and we were moving on past the first round for once but um that was definitely that was definitely a tough game to be at um the go train on the way home was pretty quiet but um I mean, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Leafs fan. Excellent. Well, Nick, uh, listen, I really appreciate your time. I, I enjoyed the conversation. Uh, best of luck, whatever happens at the draft and uh, next year with the Steel again. And uh, interested to see whichever uh, Division One program you end up up with, and uh, maybe we'll get to chat again down the road. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one. Hey, there's Nick Moldenhauer from the Chicago Steel, and wherever he's going to end up at the Division One level, and. Seems like there's a lot of, it's a pretty good pipeline uh, from uh, Chicago to Michigan with the Wolverines, but there's been a lot of Chicago Steel players who have advanced to the NCAA, and they're not all ending up at Michigan. Uh, and I imagine uh, Moldenhauer is going to have his pick of the litter. What a 
bizarre season for him. The from the start, the comparison of the start of the year and how I mean, the two months of illness and then it takes a, a skate in the right in the jaw area. And uh, I recommend you go check out that article that Scott Wheeler wrote for the Athletic. I mean, there's photos of uh, of the injury and just uh, the big scar on his chin now, not chin, but like his jawline, uh, all the way from his ear to his chin. Um, it's a pretty ha- like pretty scary situation there. I took when I was a little kid, I was four and a half years old. I took a the blade of a snowmobile in the face, uh, tobogganing, uh, and cut me open for 21 stitches, uh, and that was from my ear to my nose, basically. Uh, Moldenauer, I, I think it, I think the article, if I remember correctly, it was it was like 140 or something like stitches. That is a crazy amount of stitches. Uh, I, I recommend checking out that article. There's lots of great information. Uh, Scott Wheeler does a, a fantastic job. Man, that guy is a good writer and really had a great conversation, not just with uh, Nick himself, but his uh, family as well. Uh, lots of information there, and I didn't want to just rehash everything that's in that article. Uh, so check that out. Uh, but really appreciate Nick's time. It took a while to set that interview up. So uh, to Dan Vlatch uh, with the Chicago Steel as well, thank you to uh, Dan for helping set that up. It took a while, uh, so I appreciate uh, his persistency there for sure. All right, we're going to continue on with the 2022 Draft Spotlight segments. We, we've we heard from Nick Moldenhauer as well as David Goyette, two guys who will probably uh, you're going to hear their names you know, inside the top uh, 60. For the NHL draft, well, we also like to talk about uh, players and get to know players who are going to be, you know, middle of the round or even later round picks. And I think that's fair to say that my next guest might fit in that in that category, as uh, I'm pleased to uh, speak with Charlie Wright, defenseman with the Saskatoon Blades. He is ranked by NHL Central Scouting, but not a member of, uh, you know, the top prospect game in the CHL, wasn't at the NHL Combine, but I do know that there are teams looking at him. So let's get to know Charlie Wright next here on the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And Doc will get back to it. Doc at his blue line. Comes to center. Ducks around Leeson. In over the line on the wing. Trying to go wide around. Pahal gets in front. Shoots and scores! Ah! Oh, let's go! Kirby Doc puts hand to the ear as if to listen for the booze from the crowd here at the Art Harrison Center, but what a brilliant individual effort by Kirby Doc and the Blades have opened the scoring in Game 2 in Prince Albert. I'm Kirby Doc of the Saskatoon Blades, and this is the Pipeline Show. Are you a U15 or U17 player looking to sharpen up your skills, have fun, and get conditioned for the upcoming hockey season? Let our coaches and players get you ready at the Spruce Grove Saints 4th Annual Hockey School, brought to you by NextGen Transportation. The camp takes place August 22nd to 26th at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. The camp includes over 10 hours of on and off ice training. For more details and to register for the camp, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca slash community slash hockey school today. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Uh, fights like an old lady. We're back on the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey. It's Alberta's best beef turkey. You look them up online. I'll spell Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, beefjerky.com and it's the best beef jerky you've ever had i guarantee it 
And it's Alberta's best, but you can get it anywhere in Western Canada. If you're not in Alberta, you don't have to make the drive in. Uh, you can get in touch with Trent in Leduc or Spruce Grove, and uh, they will ship it to you. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada. All right, we're going to keep the 2022 draft spotlight turned on and get to know yet another player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. And my next guest is uh, from Alberta, so maybe he's no stranger to Wilhawk. We'll have to find out. Uh, as I'm uh, pleased to welcome Saskatoon Blades defenseman Charlie Wright to the program. Uh, Charlie, welcome to the Pipeline Show, man. How are things? Things are good. Thank you for having me on. A pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. Uh, I imagine that this time of the season, uh, with the draft not that far away now, uh, you must be getting pretty excited. Maybe a little nervous, a little of both. Oh yeah, for sure, a little bit, a little bit of both. But uh, definitely excited how that day is going to turn out. Uh, you know, I talk to a lot of players on this show, and uh, a lot of them draft eligible, and because. This season is so big, and you you know for the last few years you've been building up to this. Is it almost like running a marathon where the, the draft itself is sort of the finish line and it's just taken so long to get here, and once you cross that line, there'll be a, a sense of relief that it's over? I mean, you're excited for the day, but it'll be nice when it's actually gone too. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's always it's always in the back of your head uh, growing up playing hockey. It's, it's a dream of yours, and... Um, I'm excited for the day, but probably there will be a little bit of relief at the end of it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was uh, getting to. All right. Well, uh, look back at this season for yourself with the Blades. Third year in the WHL, uh, all with Saskatoon, a 19-point season in 58 games, and that's coming off the uh, the really shortened season in the spring of 2021. Uh, how do you feel about your year? It was good. I thought uh, that I didn't exactly uh, show the offensive side of my game that I think I have, but my roots are definitely in my defensive game and uh, shutting down other teams' top lines and uh, breaking out pucks. So I think that's kind of the main part of my game, and I thought I did that well this year. Good year for, for the team as well, uh, finishing, uh, what, fifth in the um, in the Eastern Conference. A tough first-round matchup against the Moose Jaw Warriors. That, that was a pretty strong team this year as well and ended up not going your way. But overall, uh, for your club, this was a positive season, wasn't it? Yeah, for sure. I thought we struggled a little bit with consistency, but um, no, overall it was a good year. It was a really good group of guys. I've, I've always loved Saskatoon and uh, love them for everything they do for me. So yeah, it was a great year. I, I mentioned it's your third season in the WHL. You're a, a late birthday from uh, your draft year, so you were born uh, in October. Missed uh, last year's draft by uh, just over a month. How has your game sort of evolved here? How have you evolved as a player over the last three seasons? Uh, I think we were really focusing on the defensive side of the game for me the last three years. And uh, this year I, I took a step and um, I was playing against other teams, top lines instead of uh, maybe their third or fourth lines from years past. But right. no, I thought my defensive game took steps and this year I had a couple more points and hopefully next year I can add some more offense to my game as well. You're still a young guy. I mean, you're 18 years old. You could play another couple of years in the dub if if you uh, if you wanted to, but you're almost at that age now where you're taking on a leadership role too, having three years under your belt. Is that something you notice uh, in your game as well that uh, you're being looked to a little bit more to provide not just offense but uh, a little bit of leadership? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I always try and be the hardest worker in the room, and I think that pushes my teammates to work harder to try and keep up. And um, I think that's the best way is just lead by example by working hard and doing the, the little things right. Who'd you learn that from uh, with the team? I'm thinking of guys like uh, Dela Gorjandir and, and players, the older veteran players on the team, maybe a Tristan Robbins. 
Yeah, absolutely. Those two guys are fantastic. And Krenkovic and Reinhardt. Yeah. Uh, Meyer is super, super great at that. Um, but uh, when I was 16, there was a guy named Scott Walford and mm-hmm. um, Chase Waters, who who were fantastic leaders, and they've definitely made a big impact on my career for sure. Charlie Wright is my guest. He's a defenseman with the Saskatoon Blades, a, a 19-point campaign, 58 games played. Uh, just the one goal. You mentioned that offense. Uh, maybe the from the goal-scoring point of view hasn't uh, come through at the WHL level for you yet, uh, but I know your last year of play before uh, you got to the WHL, you were a point-per-game guy. Not a lot of goals, though. Are, do you see yourself more as the guy who starts the transition up the ice, get it to the forwards, and, and they put it in the net, or and maybe handle the puck on the power play a bit as well, but not necessarily the trigger man? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I've I've been working a ton on my shot to maybe potentially become into that role, but uh, yeah, I've always been a bit of a pass-first guy, and um making making the breakout and then joining and supporting the rush if I can and it's the right time to do so but uh, definitely definitely breaking pucks out and the defensive side is the primary part of my game now Charlie the uh, the pipeline show is a junior and college hockey show so my my regular audience will know uh, about the WHL they'll know about the Saskatoon Blades and they'll probably know who you are as well but there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans who don't listen to the show on a regular basis and will only tune in because you're a draft eligible player. And maybe three weeks from now, their favorite team has selected you. So they go back and listen to this segment to find out information about you. So for the benefit of that part of the audience, uh, let's go all the way back and start at the beginning. Uh, where are you from? I'm from old Alberta. All right. And do you remember how old you were when you first started playing and, and who got you into hockey? Uh, it was my parents and I was four years old. They just, uh, just decided to put me in one day, and I loved it ever since. Uh, always been a defenseman, or do you uh, ever try being a forward for a while, or or uh, heck, even throw the pads on? Uh, never the pads, but I played a few years of center, maybe back in Adam. And um, but other than that, I've always been a defenseman. Okay, why the uh, transition to the blue line, and something about it obviously fits and is comfortable for you. Can you put your finger on what that is? Um, probably just my skating. I think that's the best part of my game. And uh, as a defenseman, you need to be able to skate backwards and forwards and hmm. move side to side to stop those top scores from getting around you and beating you to the net. So I think uh, it's just always a fit for me. Okay. Uh, take me back to the uh, WHL Bantam draft. Uh, 2018, you were a fourth round pick by the Saskatoon Blades. So had to wait a little bit, but not overly long. Uh, some guys tell me that they were at school when the draft was uh, being held and they're trying to follow along on their phones. Other guys tell me they were allowed to stay home and, and uh, watch from there. Uh, what was draft day like for you? Uh, that morning, I remember I had a morning skate with a couple of older guys that had been drafted the year before, and um, they're they're pretty top players now, so I was hanging out with them and uh, just excited to see where I was going to go. And I didn't. My dad let me skip school that morning, so... Mm-hmm. I missed about half the day, and then uh, I went to school after that, and my friends congratulated me, which was pretty awesome, and they were a little bit watching on their phones from school, too. Well, these guys that you were skating with, would we know their names? Uh, you might, probably. That would be uh, Jake Neighbors and Ronan Seeley. Yeah, yeah, we've heard of Jake Neighbors and Ronan Seeley, especially yeah. especially here at Edmonton with Jake Neighbors. He's a little busy right now out in New Brunswick. <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, Charlie, then you get to your first experience going to uh, Sastoon Blades Camp, and I don't know what your initial reaction was. 
growing up in Olds, you know there is no WHL team there, so you're moving away from home no matter which club selects you. But what was your initial reaction to it being Saskatoon? A little bit far. I mean, it's out of province, but not so far that maybe your friends and family can't uh, catch some games. No, it was super exciting. Uh, I mean, at the time, right, you don't really care who takes you. You're just excited to see where you go. But Saskatoon took me, and I was pumped. And um, going to the first camp, they treated me great and uh, I just felt like it was a perfect fit for me and it has been ever since. Who was your uh, defensive pair for most of the season or did that uh, change a lot throughout the year? Uh, this year it changed a bit. I started out with uh, Delagorge on Dier and then I played with Reinhardt for a bit and, um, and then at the end of the year I was with Mullendike with injuries and stuff and mm-hmm. uh, but it definitely switched around a bit. What parts of your game do you think need to improve or evolve even more than they have already before you're ready to take that next step uh, up to the professional level? Uh, I think my body needs to fill out a little bit. Uh, it can be a bit scrawny at times, and it's hard to keep on the weight during the year, but uh, just just improving my physical side of the game and strength, that will uh, lead me to be able to defend harder and finish checks and kill the corners and not let the puck get out. So um, I think that's something I need to improve on to just shut down the other team's top lines even better. The WHL's website has you uh, at 6'1 and 178 pounds. I don't know if that was at the start of the year or if that's up to date. What are you at right now? Um, right now, I'm about the same. Actually, I put on some weight since being home, but during the year, I probably ended about 170. So I lost eight pounds during the season and a lot of strength because it's hard to uh, get that strength working during the season, but I've been working on it a ton now and uh, trying to put on that weight and strength again. Is that hard to maintain weight during the course of the year? I mean, there's a, a lot of travel in the Western Hockey League, so uh, compared to some other leagues, it might not be as much time in the gym as as uh, it possible with in some of those other leagues. But um, it was that something that was a challenge for you that you noticed? Yeah, for sure. And I was still in school this year, so sure. right after our morning whatever workout and then practice I had to go straight to school and I didn't have time to do any strength work afterwards and um, that was that was tough not being able to get that work in and then trying to eat enough to um, get enough calories in you to uh, keep that weight on. 58 games played this year that means you uh, missed 10 games Uh, injury along the way at one point or illness or what happened? Yeah, I hurt my uh, left shoulder twice this year, just uh, just minor injuries. They took me out for about two weeks each, but uh, nothing too crazy. Okay, good. Uh, we mentioned the draft a little bit earlier. Uh, is that something that you try to not think about over the course of the season, or uh, are you one of those guys who uh, likes to see where people have you ranked and things like that and use that as motivation? Uh, I definitely don't go looking for for the rankings or whatever, but if I get tagged in something, I'll always go check it out. But it's always in the back of your, back of your head, the draft, but I try and not let it affect my play and just, just bring my game every night. I, I'm guessing teammates probably are the guys who say, hey, look, Central Scouting's got you ranked now. Uh, sometimes, but uh, teammates don't usually talk about it too much. They, oh, no? We try and keep it a little bit low-key and whatever else because you don't want to make someone else mad because you're ranked higher or whatever. But but every once in a while you see something on Twitter and you go check it out. Okay. Uh, now, I know some of the big showcase events, uh, like the top prospect game and the combine, I don't, were you, you weren't at the combine, were you? 
No, I was not. Okay. I know that that doesn't mean that you haven't spoken with NHL clubs. I know a lot of NHL teams will reach out to players and chat with them in the offseason or uh, as leading up to the NHL draft. Have you had that chance to speak with a number of teams uh, so far? Yeah, absolutely. I've had a chance. Um, there's a there's a couple teams that reach out and you get questionnaires throughout the year, but uh, I'm looking forward to talking to more and uh, hopefully get to show some of my personality to some of these teams. Being an Alberta guy, but uh, obviously an old, you're closer to Calgary than Edmonton, but that doesn't mean your uh, your NHL allegiance is with either team. Uh, who was your club growing up that you cheered for? Uh, unfortunately, it was uh, Calgary growing up. My parents were always fans, and uh, that was where my dad always took me growing up uh, to the Flames games. They're obviously just a little closer, but I still love the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, they're great too. <laughs> you don't have to say that. For, hey, Philly's my team, man. I'm in Edmonton, but I haven't been an Oilers fan for for decades now. So you don't have to uh, butter me up with the with the saying nice things about the <laughs> Oilers. I find it hard to believe you could be a Flames fan and an Oiler fan. Well, you know, you you try not to be too biased. <laughs> you know, anybody in the NHL that you look to for inspiration, and maybe. You know, maybe you play a similar style of game. I'm not suggesting, you know, if you say Kale McCarr is your favorite player that you think you're going to be the next Kale McCarr or something like that. But are there players in the NHL you try to take something from their game to add to your own? Uh, Kale McCarr is always super fun to watch, obviously. He's fantastic and he's playing great right now. But uh, someone that I really like watching is Josh Morrissey on Winnipeg. And Hmm. um, I just think he has great, great skating and hockey sense and can break pucks out. Uh, with ease and uh, just plays with confidence all over the ice and can help his team out in any way possible. Well, you've mentioned skating a few times uh, in our conversation. I'm guessing mobility is a big part of of what you do. Is that something that comes naturally to you or is that years of working on your skating? Maybe both. Um, Maybe a little bit of both, but I've definitely put the work in on my skating and my edges growing up right, right from novice, just going to morning skates before school and uh, getting in that that extra work on your skiing that you don't necessarily get in normal hockey practices. Charlie, lastly, with the draft right around the corner, uh, I know everybody wants to be taken as high as they possibly can be, but another way to look at it is that whether you're drafted or not, it's, it's just opens up another door. It's, you know, some players don't get taken in the WHL Bantam draft. They go on to have big success and other guys are NHL free agents. How important is the draft in your mind? Uh, kind of exactly what you said, right? If you don't get drafted, there's a lot more doors open. But, of course, you want to go on that day and get picked by a team because that just means they're interested in you and they want you at their camp. And it would be a huge honor to go to any team. And uh, it's just a dream come true, and I'm super excited for it. Well, Charlie, I hope it all works out for you uh, at the draft. Uh, I'm sure when the, you and the Saskatoon Blades are through Edmonton uh, next season, we'll, we'll have a chance to uh, meet in person. Uh, thanks for your time, man. This was fun. No, thank you. Thank you for having me on. It was awesome. Hey, there's Charlie Wright of the Saskatoon Blades, another defenseman out of the Western Hockey League this year to keep tabs on. Now, Central Scouting has him. Uh, he was 140th. Now he's 145th in North America. So from in their view, uh, a late round pick. But I have talked to people and I know some scouts and uh, he is definitely on the radar for some teams. So I think there's a, a real good chance that he does get uh, selected this year. And to me, he's just scratching the surface of what he can do. Yeah, he's got three seasons, quote-unquote seasons, one of them being the the uh, sub-hub down in Regina in the spring of 2021, so far from a full season. But 
He's got a bunch of experience already. Still got a, a couple of years in the WHL ahead of him. I do think he is still just scratching the surface of his potential. You know, he's got decent size. I think uh, he's gonna still going to develop physically and put on some muscle. But a good skating defenseman who can start the uh, transition uh, from the defensive end up to the attack. Uh, lots to like with uh, Charlie Wright, guy who's probably under the radar, but uh, one to think of in the later rounds. All right, chances are that is uh, not the final segment of this week's episode, but uh, that's all I got right now. I th- I'm going to try to get somebody uh, either from the that's on hand in St. John at the Memorial Cup really late in the week so that when I have him on, it's not dated. That or a scout ahead of the 2022 NHL draft. We'll start talking to scouts from all the various scouting agencies. Uh, So we might do that uh, with the final segment this week. But uh, that's the plan is to have one more segment. We will do that when we come back. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, fueled by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Back to Cider, across to Bach. Dominic Bach, great pass in for Stutzler, slides it back across, they score! Hello, this is Tim Stutzler from Mannheim, and this is the Pipeline Show. Since 1965, Wilhawk Beef Jerky has provided fresh, top-quality beef jerky made with 100% Alberta beef. From your very first bite, you'll understand that real jerky isn't found at the convenience store. It's tender, full of flavor, with just a hint of subtle spices. Wilhawk's jerky is aged, seasoned, and marinated to lock in the flavors, and then smoked to perfection. Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It might just be the best you've ever tasted. Try for yourself. Search W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hello there. Hey, we are back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. We just heard from three players who are eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. We're going to shift gears now, and uh, we at this time of the season, as the draft just a couple of weeks away now, time to start getting the scouts in and uh, picking their brains and uh, really value their opinions and uh, my next guest is uh, a guy who is at the top of that list, uh, Chris Peters from uh, Daily Faceoff. Uh, welcome back to the program, Chris. How are things? Gee, going well. Uh, good to be with you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate your time. Uh, I know you're awfully busy these days. Before we get into what we're talking about, what else do you have coming up at Daily Faceoff for fans to uh, tune in for? Oh, geez. I mean, I guess just uh, you know the the every little bit that you're you're getting ready for a new draft, where it's you know just kind of little pieces here and there. Like I just put up a piece today about, you know, best players at each uh, skill or not, not every single skill, but, you know, a collection of skills, what they're, what, what I think the best players are at those particular things. And, um, you know, just having more for the, for the actual draft night. So it's, I mean, it's pretty much we're, we're in the home stretch here. So there's just not a whole lot left uh, to do, but we'll certainly have a lot of coverage um, in the build up to, um, J- July 7th, which, geez, it's, it feels like it took forever to get there. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It's not that far away now. Uh, and it's interesting because what you're talking about there, about having guys ranked in categories, sort of what we're talking about here today is I uh, gave you a list of categories and you picked offensive defensemen. So I'm going to get you to tell me about five offensive defensemen available this year that you're high on. And then we'll get to a couple of other players as well that might not be defensemen uh, and, and actually are not defensemen. Uh, but uh, let's start with the blue liners, and uh, the first guy out of the hop we're going to chat about is Simon Nemec, uh, the import from Slovakia, who, uh, well, 
take it away, Chris. Uh, tell me about Nemich, uh, why you have him uh, ranked so high, and a guy that um, you would like to talk about today. Yeah, you know, I, mean, I think he's just one of those guys that, that had a tremendous season. Um, the, the reason that I, I picked him for this particular exercise over David Juracek, who I actually have one spot ahead of him in the rankings, um, is that you know Simon Nemec's season is pretty much unprecedented. He had big points. He was averaged nearly a point per game in the playoffs this year um, for the Slovakian league. Um, you know he's he's put up a ton of assists. He moves exceptionally well. Um, you know he's not as big as Juracek, uh, but you know the mobility that he has and and the the, the hand skills that he has are pretty impressive. Um, you know, and so I, I think he's, he's a guy that really definitely the, the offensive side of the game is, is where he excels a bit more than, than on the defensive side. Um, but, you know, to move the puck as well as he does and to have the, the mobility and different, different things, just the, just kind of the offensive knowledge that he seems to have, um, you know, he's, he's a pretty interesting player and you, you have to think that, while he, well, I don't know that he'll necessarily be a major producer at the NHL level. I think that you know he's going to have a chance to be a very productive, um, a very productive defenseman and, and a guy that's going to you know, probably be on po- top power play units and, and things like that. So I think he's got the brain for it, and I think he's got the ability. Um, I think there probably needs to be a little bit more detail into his game if he's going to have success at the NHL level because sometimes he can be a little bit scrambly and kind of all over the place. Uh, but I just like the way that he thinks thinks about the game offensively, and I think he's gotten better even as the season went on. I thought he looked really good at the World Championship at the end of the year, which you know was was a great opportunity after not playing a whole lot at the Olympics this year for Slovakia. All right, now just for the benefit of the audience, a reminder to them that you mentioned Juracek and that you have Juracek ranked ahead of Nemec on your list, but we're only talking about offensive defensemen. So is it fair to say then? With Juracek, you see him more as a defensive guy or maybe a, a less of an offensive uh, force at the next level than Nemec? You know, I think it's tough to say completely because I think that Juracek is, is, you know, a true two-way defenseman. I think he defends well and has good mobility and everything like that. Um, he's got a great shot. You know, I think he's got a bigger goal-scoring threat than, than Nemec is. But, yeah, I would say, you know, as far as moving pucks and everything else, you know, I think that Nemec has a – has a bit more of an edge there, right. um, and obviously that's the probably the, the trait that's more important um, as a defenseman. You're not going to get too many high goal scoring defensemen, um, but you're going to get plenty that can really move pucks well and you know put up a lot of assists. I always think of like a, with an NHL video game or something with the player rankings, and you can kind of you got the slider that moves from you know right to left <laughs> yeah. for offensive and defensive, and it's just a little bit more set. Uh, towards the offensive end for Nemec than Juracek. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, yeah. all right. All right, the next guy uh, that you uh, gave me that you wanted to chat about is uh, Pavel Mintikov, uh, who played for the Saginaw Spirit out of the Ontario Hockey League uh, this year. Uh, and for the last, well, he would have played there last year, but of course no H- OHL season a year ago. Um, so maybe not as much runway to uh, go back on and, and look at this guy, but uh, when you've seen him play, I mean, he was nearly a point-per-game player this year, so it seems offensively he fits the bill. He really does. You know, I think he's one of the top goal scoring threats among the defensemen, but he, he really does have that, that, that really good distribution ability and just an understanding of how to operate within, you know, the neutral zone, the offensive zone as well as you know, being solid enough defensively. So you know, I think that the, I, I like his skating. I like his ability to navigate, you know, and move pucks. Um, you know, I think that he has shown an ability, especially in the offensive zone to walk the blue line very well, to get himself you know, good open spaces 
um, to create better scoring opportunities for himself. Um, you know, there, one of the things that I think you, you watch enough video of him and, and you see, you know, just how, how often he'll, he'll have the puck in the offensive zone. He's looking for a better opportunity offensively. He's not just trying to, you know, fire pucks from distance. He's actually moving in towards the tops of the faceoff circles and you're know, trying to get a better angle for a shot. And, you know, he does that. There's some risk in that, obviously getting deeper into the offensive zone, but at the same time, I just think that he's, he does it so frequently successfully um, that, you know, just shows me that, that he really knows how to pick his spots and, and can you know, exploit defenses uh, pretty well in the offensive zone. So, you know, I, I think he's, he's interesting to me in a lot of different ways because, you know, I, I just think that he's going to be um, a pretty, pretty significant factor for any team that he plays. on. I think he's got top four upside. I think he's going to be able to be on, on a top power play unit, um, you know, He's. I think that you know there might be some guys that we didn't, we're going to talk about that are a bit more on the dynamic side or have a little bit more skill. Um, but I just think Mintukov has has shown that you know it's not just about the offensive skill. He can he can defend enough and he can make make some really good plays. So I, I mean I just like the player quite a bit. Um, I've been pretty high on him since probably this you know really halfway through the season. Um, it's only gotten bigger. Uh, you know, my, my appreciation for his game has only gotten bigger as the season has gone on. Any concerns with the the passport? Uh, I know the Russian factor is always a, a topic of discussion around the draft, but this year seems to be even more so than normal just because of all well, the geopolitical landscape. Uh, any concerns there? Or are you just talking from a hockey perspective uh, that this is a guy that's on your list for sure? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to you have to be aware and you have to certainly be concerned about it. There's, there's no question about it. Um, you know, I think he's not a guy that's going to necessarily be in the NHL next season or, or the season after that it might be a couple of years away. So buys you some time to figure it out. You know, if you're looking at it and you say, well, look at, you know, Matejchuk or the you know, other guys that we're going to talk about, you know, I, I think that you would probably consider taking them higher. Um, and I, I do have them higher on my board, but you know, I think Mintukov is right there. And, the passport issue, I think you'd be a little bit more concerned if he wasn't already in North America. Um, you know, that that's one hurdle crossed at this point, but it's it's still one of those things where teams are absolutely going to be aware of it, and it probably will factor into where he ultimately goes on draft day. Chris Peters from Daily Faceoff is my guest. We're looking at a uh, collection of offensive defensemen uh, that Chris has singled out that he wants to chat about today. Uh, and the next guy you just mentioned him uh, briefly, Denton Matejchuk from the Moose Jaw Warriors. There was a game this year when the Warriors were in Edmonton and they absolutely ran over the Oil Kings. I hadn't seen the Oil Kings outplayed like that for a number of years. Uh, and Denton Matejchuk was flying in that game. Uh, I saw him real good that night. Uh, what do the stats <laughs> tell you and uh, all the uh, advanced uh, uh, metrics and all of that type of stuff? What sort of a defenseman do you see him becoming at the next level? Yeah, I mean, he's just such a pure puck mover and, and really, uh, you know, you mentioned a very good skater, um, great footwork, sees the ice extremely well, very poised with the puck on his stick, really good in transition. I mean, he, he has a lot of really nice qualities. And you look at the numbers and certainly he is, you know, highly productive and, and, and a guy where you say, well, this would be this would be an interesting player. You know, I think if he was a little bit bigger, it, you know, we'd probably be talking about him as a potential top 10 pick. Um, just because of how smooth he is with his offensive game, how good he he is moving pucks. You know, one of the, the only time that I got to see him live this season, I saw him at the under 18 Worlds last year, but the only time I got to see him live this season 
was at the top prospects game. And that was one where I felt he really was able to stand out and say, I'm one of the best defensemen in this draft because of the skating ability, because of the puck movement. He was one of the best players on the ice for either team throughout that entire game. And it was, you know, it was just a continuation of what I had seen last year. You know, he's kind of in a more limited role for, for Canada at the world under 18s. But this year he, you know, he proved that he was a top guy. He's a, he could play in any situation. He's good enough defensively. He's got good enough physical strength for a player his size, but it all comes back to his skating and his puck, you know, his puck skills, which are, are pretty strong. So I, I'd say that he's a guy where, you know, maybe he's not necessarily a top pairing guy, but I, I see him as a potential top four power play kind of situation, um, you know, for him in the future. And as he continues to get stronger, I think he'll only be better in his own end. And, and you know, you don't have as many concerns about him because he, he, it's not like he's, you know, he's not super small, but he's just, you know, sub six foot defenseman, you know, that tends to, you know, put some of those guys on the back foot a little bit, but he's a guy that I think, you know, it, it doesn't really stand out to me as a huge issue. All right. So uh, I've seen some people question his defensive awareness. Is that something that you have a great concern with, or do you think that just sort of something to work on uh, while you're still in junior before you get to the pro level? Yeah, I think it's more of the latter, you know, because I think he does show really good hockey sense and that's, you know, that that's key. And it's just a matter of, you know, trying to, trying to get a little bit more consistent in the defensive side of things, getting a bit stronger, um, I don't really worry about his awareness so much as I do just, you know, commitment to his own zone and that, that, that can take some time. And, and I agree. I think that that's something that'll kind of get itself sorted out um, pretty quickly. And it's not something that I've spent a whole lot of time worrying about, about his game. All right. 64 points in 65 games and uh, was 10 for 10, 10 points in 10 games in the playoffs uh, for the Moose Jaw Warriors as well. Now, another offensive guy is uh, we're all talking, we're talking about uh, offensive defenseman in this segment. Uh, Kevin Korchinski, the Seattle Thunderbirds, just got to see him uh, up close and personal uh, in the WHL final against the Oil Kings. And, uh, man, there's there's a lot to like about this guy. He does have that size, but he's very, very mobile. You tell me first what you like about him, and then i got a question for you as well, uh, of, a bit of a concern for me. But sure. uh, what do you like about Korchinski? Well, I think the biggest thing I like about him is the upside. I think that there's a lot of potential there because, you know, you mentioned his size, about six foot two really good mobility. I think the skating's fine. You know, he's, he, he gets around the ice real well. Um, you know, I think he's a heads up player, makes a lot of good passes and, and, you know, can move pucks up the ice, but he also is, is, is comfortable taking it himself. You know, he, he gets in, uh, jumps into plays a little bit more. We did see his goal scoring tick up in the postseason, um, which was good. You know, I think he picked the spots pretty well. Um, he was playing big minutes and hard games and, um, you know, he had, you know, had to really battle, um, to give Seattle a chance in, in that entire postseason. And obviously, you know, ends up falling short against Edmonton. But, um, you know, he was a, a big-time player for them and, and did well. So, you know, I, I think that the, the biggest thing that stands out is just that he's still a project. There's still a lot of room for him to grow. There's room for him to get stronger. There's, um, you know, more that I think his, his offensive game will be able to accomplish over time. You know, I'd like to see him improve certain areas. Like, I think his shot could be better and you know, he could become more effective like that. You know, he's he's got some really good um, tools, but, you know, he gets inside well. He can get in there. I'd just like to see him, you know, be a little bit more decisive with the shot and, and, and use it maybe a little bit more as well. Uh, but, yeah, but, I mean, I think that he's a guy that throughout this entire season, you just watch him and he keeps getting better and better and better. Um, he just kind of makes you wonder where is he going next? Because I think he was uh, a guy that really improved over the course of the season. I'm I'm glad you mentioned the shot because that's where I was going. I just didn't feel like he was an offensive. You know, on the power play, he gets the puck. 
you know he's moving it. He, he's not going to be the guy yeah. that's pulling the trigger. So it was a bit predictable Correct. in that sense. I'd like to see him start shooting more and shooting harder um, because it looked like when he was when he would take the shot, it would be like a, a wrist shot through traffic or something. And then some, it doesn't always have to be a, a big uh, wind-up uh, clapper from the point, but uh, he just didn't seem like a threat when he had the puck. It's, uh, you know, his passing skills and his vision, uh, I think, is what stood out for me. But I like to see that shot improvement, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think you hit it right on the head. That If he can get that where he's more of a, a goal-scoring threat from the back end, it just opens up a lot more options for him. I mean, that said, 65 points in 67 games. Only four <laughs> of those were goals. I mean, that's a lot of yeah. assists. I mean, he is definitely a, a guy who can start the transition up the ice, or what you talked about, he can carry it up the ice because he's, he's so good with his feet. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's that's the key to his game and the foundation that he's going to build that entire game on. You know, I, that's why I, I have such high hopes for his, for where he's going because that foundation is going to start with skating, and I think he's got some good poise and and good hockey sense that you know will only improve as he as he gets more reps. Now, when you told me you wanted to talk offensive defenseman, there was a guy I secretly had. Okay, I hope he wants to talk about Lane Hudson because he's so fun to watch. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's he's become a real topic of conversation here as the draft gets closer and closer. Where is he going to go in the draft, and who's going to take him, and is he worth the first round pick? And if he was two inches taller, you know, might he be a top fifteen pick? Uh, he's listed at five eight and one hundred and sixty ish pounds, uh, but what a treat to watch this guy! Man, he is all over the ice. Uh, and so skilled. Everybody's looking for the next Kale McCarr, and that might be setting the bar really high. But, man, he just flies through the offensive zone with the puck on his stick. I'm stealing your thunder here. Tell me about Lane Hudson. <laughs> I, you know, throughout this entire season, um, he's my he's my favorite player in this draft. Um, full stop. He, I, I love the way that he plays. You, you know, you talk about all the offensive skill that he has. He's incredibly competitive as well. I think he's got the best defensive stick in this draft. You watch the way that he defends with his stick and how he gets under players and how he just battles for space, and you just you, you love it. But really, the the dynamic elements of his game, he is the most dynamic defenseman in this draft. He's shifty with his feet. He can move away from traffic. He can get through the neutral zone really well. The way that he walks down into the offensive zone, I mean – there are so many instances this year where he takes the puck in the blue line, makes a move here, makes a move there. He's down by the goal line. He gets it to the middle and somebody's tapping it in on the back door. It, it, you know, he, he had just an incredible season. I think that it's not really one thing that hasn't been talked about a whole lot is, you know, his actual total point production. We talk about all the skill and everything. And then we get to the size and we kind of forget He's he had the second highest scoring season in the history of the national team development program for a defenseman. Hmm. The only guy that was higher was Cam York and the guys that he had up front were guys like Jack Hughes and Cole Caulfield and Trevor Zegers and Matt Boldy. Um, and so this is the, the guy that Lane Hudson passed has a Norris trophy and Adam Fox and Quinn Hughes is also in that top five there in terms of top seasons and Lane Hudson outscored them. And, and while this under 18 team is very good, I don't think it's at the level in some of those other teams. So, you know, this is this has been an incredible season for him. Um, you know, obviously at his size and his, if if let's say he never grows, and we we expect that he is still going to grow. I think he's a late bloomer. Um, he still looks really young. Um, if he never grew, he would he would be the smallest defenseman in the NHL, and so that's where a lot of teams give you pause. And I think that you have to take that risk into consideration. The fact that. You know, if he doesn't get a lot bigger and stronger, you know, where does he exactly fit in? But but I I am a 
full believer in Lane Hudson because of how competitive he is, how smart he is, how skilled he is. I think he will find a way. Um, the question is, is, you know, does he shoot up in height? Because he did have a brother that, that you know, uh, Quinn, who played for Muskegon this year mm-hmm. and is going to Boston University next year, who's now five foot eleven, and he grew late. He didn't, you know, it's been within the last couple of years that he shot up from about five nine, five eight, up to five eleven. And if you take all of the numbers that we just spit out, and you take everything else, you know, Lane Hudson is the best defenseman in this draft. I put, I, if, if you know, but that's we, we we can't we can't say that because there's still that risk there. I just right. think that his skill level is that is that good where you know he belongs. If if he were a little bit bigger, he would be in that discussion with your Shaq and Nemich as the top guy in this draft. Wow, uh, I know Quinn Hudson is going to be you this coming season. Is uh, Lane also going? Because the the uh, website I'm looking at lists him for 2023 24. Oh no, he's going to be you next year. Yeah, okay, so, that's that's yeah. that was my assumption. I didn't know where else he would be going. All right, well, do you do you expect he's a college guy because of the size, and he probably needs a little bit more time in the gym? Is he a two three year guy, or could it be a one and done situation for Hudson? I I think you know I think beyond uh, an incredible growth spurt and strength, I think he's at least a two year guy um, in college. It's the the appropriate route for him. Mm-hmm. You know, Adam Fox spent three years in school. Kale McCarr spent two years in school. I mean, anymore, it seems like most guys that are going to college route are staying for that second year unless there's, you know, a real exceptional talent. Like, I don't think Logan Cooley will be there for two years, but, you know, I think most guys will, will be there for two years, and I think that, that Lane Hudson will probably be a two- to three-year college guy. Perfect. Uh, Chris Peters uh, from Daily Faceoff is my guest. Uh, okay, we've uh, gone through – the list of offensive defensemen, there were two other guys I wanted to, to touch on. A personal sleeper doesn't have to be a guy that falls into that category. And uh, for you, it's a U.S. National Development Program uh, a skater, Devin Kaplan. Uh, tell me why he is your sleeper for this year's draft. Yeah, so I've, I've got Kaplan kind of listed in that late second round range. And the reason that he's a little bit lower is because we still need to see consistency he played way down the lineup this year for that team he didn't get a, a ton of ice time compared to the guys like you know Snuggerud and Goche and Cooley and all you know so he wasn't playing with those players playing down the lineup however he's six foot two six foot three he's going to be you next year and I just see a player that there are so many little flashes of higher end skill and you get these little pops and these little moments of him making incredible plays that it's just like if he can figure out how to do that on a regular basis, if he can get to the, to a consistency level, if he can play with top players and and convert on more of those opportunities that he can create himself, um, I think he's got a chance to be you know first round caliber talent. I think that the skill size package that he has is really um, really solid, and so it's just a matter for him. He hasn't put it all together yet, which is why you would have him in the second or third round because. You're 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 not 100% positive that it's going to get there, but it's like, you know, when I think of sleepers, I think of guys where it's like, there's a risk to be taken, but there's a reason that that risk is worth taking. And for me, it's that skill, size, athleticism that he has. Um, that you know, it's just it's just a matter of putting it all together more. He just needs, I feel like he just needs more time. He needs a little bit more coaching, a little more consistency. I think he got some great opportunities last year to get better. Um, but now next year, as he goes into college and as he goes into the rest of his career, you know, spending two, three, maybe even four years, 
Um, I think he could, you know, round out into an NHL caliber talent and a guy that, you know, very well could surprise us down the road. At 6'3", 200, would you call him a power forward or is he a guy who plays more of a finesse game with a big frame? That's probably where he needs to get better. He needs to be a little bit more assertive with that size because mm-hmm. he does have soft touch skills. Like, you know, and, and, and I think he does play a little bit more of a finesse style. But as we saw at the World Under-18 Championship, there were a couple of instances where he got to see a little bit more of that power game where he was battling through checks, where he was getting in, you know, cutting to the net, making plays in tight, making really nice passes and good reads like that under pressure. Um, you know, if he can do that on a more consistent level, then, yeah, you could start seeing more of that power element. And, and he needs to lean into that size a little bit more um, in addition to with without losing that soft touch skill that he does have. I know the development program's awfully, that's a deep roster. Was he a top six guy or a bottom six guy for that club this year? He was a bottom six guy. Like he, he played primarily on the third, fourth line. Um, you know, so that was, that was thing. Like he, he wasn't going to give you the same level of, of offensive output as like a Jimmy Smuggerud or, right. or Cutter Goche, you know, guys like that. So, you know, he found his way down the lineup, but, I think in the end that might have been a good thing because he kind of had to adapt to that, you know, being a little bit more, you know, hard, difficult to play against, focusing a little bit more on this two-way game. But, you know, over the course of the under-18 Worlds, I thought he was, you know, he, he, he had moments where he really stood out in that tournament. Yeah, well, with that context uh, there, I mean, a point-per-game guy at the U18s, and over the course of the season, 38 points in 53 games, including 13 goals, in a third, a third or fourth-line role. That's pretty darn good, so... Yeah, Devin Kaplan, yeah. good fit there. All right, and then I asked you for a player that uh, you're probably not as high on as uh, most people seem to be, and uh, interesting timing because uh, David Goyette, the conversation I had with him last week is on this week's episode, so uh, we'll, uh, our listeners will have heard from him earlier in this same episode. Uh, tell me why David Goyette of the Sudbury Wolves is, is a guy you're not as bullish on. Well, you know what? The thing about it is, is that I think the skill level and the speed are so good that you know he, he has a chance to be a really good player. My issue was is that I didn't see him use it enough. I, you know, there, there were, there were enough games that I saw this year where he kind of disappeared in the background and that absolutely happened at the world under 18. Now you can argue maybe he was misused. Maybe he didn't get enough of enough run to get it, to be a chance to be a top player there. But based on that roster, you would expect the guy with his speed and skill level to be one of the top forwards on the team. And then he ends up kind of barely playing towards the end of the tournament and that was a continuation of stuff that I saw throughout the season where, you know, you have all that talent and it just kind of, you can fade into the background. You're not around the puck as much. You're not making as many plays. You're not, you know, you're not fighting for those opportunities. And so, you know, I, I think that I know that he is well-respected by, you know, the, the people in Sudbury and everybody else that really wants, you know, thinks that he's got a chance to be, something special. I know there are absolutely scouts that liked him and he was a big time riser throughout the course of the season. And I think almost going to the world under 18s kind of put that to a, to a halt because it wasn't, you know, a great experience for, for him. And, you know, I, I, you know, obviously I haven't heard your interview yet, but um, you know, just knowing that that was just kind of one of those things where it's like, man, you know, he kind of faded away and we didn't really hear from him much in that tournament. And, um, so I have concerns. So it's basically, he's one of those guys where you have so much respect for the skill, for the speed, for the things that he can do. You just want to see him on a more consistent level. And so, you know, I know there are definitely some people that believe he's a first round talent. I think that the, my concern is that with the consistency is that it's not there. And in, 
you know, I, in settings where you should have seen him more, you just didn't. And, and I think even, you know, at the top prospects game, you would see little pops of flash uh, from him, but not really, you know, nothing where you'd say, okay, well, he's clearly among the top players in this age group with these, with these players. And when you see them on the same ice surface together, again, you don't read too much into that, but it was just kind of a continuation of things that were showing up on video for me. So, um, you know, if he goes higher, I wouldn't begrudge a team because I think the skill and the, and the, and the, the speed are all there. It's just a matter of, you know, can he put it all together consistently? Can he have a, a consistent enough competitive drive? And, you know, next year, I'm sure he'll have great numbers um, in the league. It's just a matter of, you know, can he, is he being challenged? Can he continue to push the pace and, and be a guy that, you know, next year is, is better than he was this year and, and shows up and, and kind of dominates more games than he did this year. Do you think not having an OHL season last year really impacted a guy like this? Absolutely. I think it impacted every single guy that didn't play last year. I mean, certainly we saw that guys like Wyatt Johnson and others managed to, to get through that and not have it affect them much. But I mean, you, even Shane Wright, you could tell at the beginning of the season that having not, not having played really impacted him negatively. And I think that that's one of the things that we're trying to figure out is how many of these guys, you know, is it, is it a, is it a permanent blip or you know, is it something that completely knocks them off track? I don't think one year can completely sully a player's development. Um, but you know, it's, it's just one of those things where how, how do we know, how do we know exactly how much of it, it was impacted by that year um, and how much slack should we give those players? And I think, you know, the, the the fact is it's not their fault, but there's also players where that wasn't the case, where they continued playing and we haven't seen that same blip. And and they, they've continued to progress in a way that, you know, allowed them to ascend higher into the draft class. And I think that might end up being, you know, the issue for a guy like Goyette in my eyes, you know, because I didn't see many players, I saw more players kind of progress at a level that, that maybe I didn't see him progress at this season. But, yeah, it's it's so tough to know. And I'll be looking forward to the next draft season when we have something a little bit closer to normal. Um, just because, I mean, we, we still – we're going to be feeling the effects of that, that gap year mm-hmm. for, for several years to come. That makes a lot of sense to me. Chris, uh, this was terrific. I really appreciate your time. Uh, before I let you go, where do people go to see rankings that uh, that are with your name on them? Yeah, dailyfaceoff.com. You can get rankings and mock drafts and all that fun pre-draft stuff. They'll all be there on on dailyfaceoff.com. Fantastic. Thanks for this, Bill. Hey, thank you, Guy. Appreciate it. That's Chris Peters from Daily Faceoff, who always does a bang-up job when he's on the program. You can find his rankings at Daily Faceoff. And uh, notably, not a guy that we talked about, but He's uh, one of the few who does not have Shane Wright as the number one pick going into the draft this year. I'm not going to spoil it and tell you who he has number one, but go to Daily Faceoff. Just Google it. Search Daily Faceoff 2022 draft rankings, and it'll come up. It's always great to have Chris on the show. We got one more segment to go this week, and it is another a scout this time. It'll be the head Western scout for FC Hockey. His name is Derek Newmeyer. He's been on the show before, and his category. Under the radar, guys. So we'll find out which five guys are under the radar for Derek. We'll also get a sleeper and uh, a guy that he's not as high on as everybody else. We'll do that to close out this week's episode. All of that next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Yorkstrand hustles after it. Gabrikov off the point. Schillinger, his first in the National Hockey League. 
Hey, it's Paul Tillinger, the Two Falls Stampede, and this is the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Who? Hey, it's the final segment on this week's episode of The Pipeline Show, brought to you, of course, by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. Go to wilhawkbeefjerky.com. I'll spell it for you, W-I-L-H-A-U-K beefjerky.com. Anywhere in Western Canada, any order, any size, they will ship it to you from wilhawkbeefjerky.com. All right, we're going to wrap up this week's show with a, uh, another conversation with a, uh, another scout, and this time it's Derek Newmeyer from FC Hockey. Uh, Derek, welcome back to the Pipeline Show. How are things for you? Thanks for having me back again. Uh, things are going really well. It was a great year of hockey that is just wrapping up now with the Memorial Cup, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm getting pretty excited for the draft here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we're not that far away now, that's for sure. Uh, and I appreciate you making time. I know this time of year can be pretty busy uh, for people who are in your uh, walk of life. So uh, thanks for squeezing this in. Now, I gave you a list of uh, categories to talk about uh, and uh, to pick five guys from one of these categories. And the one that you selected was the under the radar category. So these are guys that uh, that you like. And a lot of people might consider them to be first, second, third rounder type players. But we think or you think that they're going to be uh, taken in the actual NHL draft earlier, sometimes much earlier than the general public is uh, expecting. So it might be, you know, that we hear this guy's name on draft day and it'll be a lot of the initial reaction from fans will be, oh, that's a reach or well, that's a shocker, uh, off the radar kind of, or under the radar kind of thing. So uh, that's how we're going to frame this. Uh, let's get to the list. And uh, the first guy uh, is Owen Pickering from the Swift Current Broncos, who, yeah, I think most lists probably have him as a very late first or uh, sometime in the second round. Uh, where do you see Owen Pickering going if uh, you know if, if you were heading up a team and and uh, maybe share your thoughts on the big Swift Current defenseman? Yeah, absolutely. So Pickering is definitely a guy that is on everyone's radar by now. You know, he had a good season in Swift Current, logged a lot of minutes. He was part of the Canadian team at the U18 tournament. You know, I think he played the most minutes out of any of their defensemen. But he's definitely a guy that I think is going to go a lot higher than a lot of people realize when you just look at the package that he brings to the table and the kind of the development runway he has. So he's a huge defenseman, about six foot five. But he's also a really fleet of foot skater, you know, great agility, great top speed and surprisingly soft uh, puck control, great hands. You know, he's a guy that brings a lot of different elements to the table. And when you watch him play, he's still so unfinished as a player. You know, he had a late growth spurt. Uh, he's still kind of growing into his body. He's maybe a little bit awkward at times with how he moves around. But when you project him for what he's going to be in the future, the ceiling is really, really high. I mean, you've got a defenseman who can play in all situations, who can do kind of everything, you know, could work on the power play, could be a top penalty killer. And it's interesting with Swift because they have such a young team right now. You know, their core is built around uh, Pickering and a bunch of other players with 2004 birthdays. Mm-hmm. So even though they weren't very good this year, 
they're going to be a really good team next year. And the year after that, they're probably going to be a team that pushes for like a Western title. You know, they're a team that could definitely be, you know, the winners of the Western or the WHL. So he's going to be a guy who's playing a lot of minutes. He's probably going to be playing a lot of meaningful hockey. So when you look at the whole package, when you kind of look at where he could be in the future, I think a lot of teams are really enticed by that. You know, we saw a guy this year in the NHL, Mo Sider with Detroit, who had a phenomenal year. He won the Rookie of the Year. And it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, but you do see similarities between those types of guys. You know, Mo Sider can do everything. He plays a ton of minutes for Detroit because he's so smooth, he's so skilled, he's so smart, he's so versatile. And I could see Pickering being a similar type of player. You know, I've seen some draft lists that have him late 20s, maybe early 30s. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a guy that sneaks into the top 10. Just wow. if you look at what he could be, you know, it's not a guarantee, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised if some team kind of saw him that high. Because when you think about it, if he becomes that top pair, all situations defender, you know, those are really hard to find. And that's what he's going to be for Swift the next two years. He's going to be their number one. He's going to be playing 25 minutes a night in all situations. So he's going to be really, you know, groomed to be that kind of top pair defenseman. Yeah, I had Pickering on the show, what, about a month ago or something like that. I was really taken with him. He was just a terrific interview, one of the best interviews from the entire draft class, uh, in my opinion. And that doesn't necessarily translate to anything on the ice. But one of the things that stood out for me was just how he was able to dissect his own game. And it, it's not like he was thinking he's the greatest defenseman out there. He saw lots of areas of his uh, of his game that he needs to improve on still here for the next couple of years. And like you said, I think he's just starting to scratch the surface of of what he can do. I think the evolution of Owen Pickering is going to be really fun to watch here in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm, absolutely. He's going to be one of those interesting case studies. You know, you watch where he is now, you kind of project where he could be in the future, and you look at the development situation he's in, I think he's going to be a very fascinating player to watch because, yeah, if everything goes right, if his development stays on track, I mean, the sky is the limit for this kid. All right, next up is another defenseman, this time with the National Development uh, Program, and that would be Ryan Chesley, who, uh, is, again, a lot of people would consider maybe on the bubble here for the first round, could be a, a late first or a, or a second rounder. Uh, what do you like about him? Yeah, there's a lot to like about Chesley, and he's another one of those guys that I think NHL teams are going to value maybe a little bit more highly than some of the independent scouts do. You know, Chesley, he's not a flashy player. He's not someone who shows up often in highlight reels. He's not that type of guy. But when you watch him closely, he's always making the right play. He's a really fleet of foot, really smart, really competitive defenseman. You know, he's the type of guy who could be a modern-day shutdown defenseman. You know, he's not the biggest guy, and he's not quite an elite skater, but he's really mobile. He keeps really tight gaps. He's always in position. You know, his ability to read the flow of play is incredible. You know, these days when the NHL is so fast, you need defensemen who can defend the rush well. You know, if you got Connor McDavid flying at you, not a lot of defensemen are able to keep up and kind of keep them to the outside or, you know, get their stick on the puck. So Chesley is that type of defenseman. You know, he's great at keeping the gap. You know, he keeps pace with faster forwards really well. You know, he's physical. He can use his stick to poke uh, the puck away if he has to. You know, he's got a good mix of, you know, using his stick and his feet and his uh, upper body to defend. You know, he did fly under the radar a little bit this season, I thought, playing on the national team program. You know, he's often paired with Lane Hudson, Mm -hmm. you know, a dynamic puck-moving defenseman. So Hudson was always the guy up the ice generating stuff, but Chesley was always the one back, 
you know, taking care of business in his own end. You know, it's not as glamorous of work, but it's really effective at the same time. You know, we saw a guy this year, uh, Braden Schneider. You know, I think a lot of people were surprised that he made the Rangers, that he was a part of their team in the playoffs. But he's a similar type of guy. You know, he just goes out there, consistently makes the right play. You know, he's effective in a quiet kind of sense. And that's what Chesley brings to the table. He's the type of guy who could easily play, you know, a thousand games in the NHL, maybe never score more than 30 or 40 points in the season, hmm. but, you know, be on a, a top penalty killer, log 20 minutes a night, you know, play on a top pair with someone who's better at moving the puck. And I think he'd be really, really effective at that. But I also think he's a guy who's maybe a little bit underrated offensively. You know, he doesn't get a lot of chances to show it, but every now and again, he'll pull something out of his bag of tricks. You know, he'll join the rush or, to make something interesting happen at the offensive blue line. So he didn't get a chance to really showcase that side of his game a lot this season, but I think it is in there. And if he does get a chance to develop that a little bit more, I think it could be a part of his game too. Reasonable to think he's sort of a, a three, four defenseman or as opposed to a top pairing guy though. Uh, I would say three, four is probably a better projection for him, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he's a two, Okay, you know, he is the type of guy who could play a lot of minutes on a top pair. If he has a partner that really compliments him well. It also helps that he's a right shot, and there's not a lot of those in, in the draft when it comes to defensemen. Well, that's a great point, too. I always uh, like to look to see what, if a guy is a lefty or a righty. That seems to be such a, uh, a key thing here on draft day. Uh, Derek Neumeyer is my guest, as head Western scout with uh, FC Hockey. Where do people go to get the uh, rankings for FC, by the way? Uh, we have a website. It's just NHLEntryDraft.com. And as of right now, we're actually just finalizing the updated version of our rankings. So within the next week or so here, you'll, you will be able to find uh, our top 100. And then when, we, when it comes to the draft guide that we're going to release, we'll have rankings for 300 players. Wow. So rankings and draft profiles of 300 names. All right, next guy on the list is a Russian who I don't know very much above, so, about. So uh, you're going to educate me on Gleb uh, Trikozov. Is that how I would pronounce it? I think it's Trikozov, but right. I'm not 100% sure. My Russian's not the strongest. <laughs> So yeah, Chikozov is a really interesting player. Um, you know, he certainly has his fans on hockey Twitter. You know, there are certain circles that really like him. He's become something of a meme. Hmm. But he is, I would say, something of a wild card for this draft. So when you watch him play, it's immediate right away just how skilled he is. He has some of the best hands in this draft class. He's got great agility, great footwork, great speed. He's just one of those dynamic, electric kind of players. You know, when he gets the puck in his own end, he's got a head of steam. You know, when he's going up the ice in transition, he is dangerous. He can weave through players. He can undress defense in one-on-one. And then when he gets into the offensive zone, he's kind of a dual threat there as well. He's a good shooter. He's a good passer. You know, he sees the ice well. You know, he's got a lot of raw offensive upside, which is really interesting. He scored, I think it was 1.29 points per game this season in Russia's top junior league, which is uncharacteristically high for that league. It's not usually a high-scoring league, so it's pretty rare to see draft-eligible players even crack a point per game. He was well over that. And then in the playoffs, he had 10 goals and 8 assists in 13 games. So he was really, really effective this season. He did get some time up in the VHL, which is Russia's second pro league, where he scored a goal and assist in 11 games. But, you know, he's a guy that not a lot of people know about because of various factors. You know, Russia was not allowed to participate in this year's U18 tournament right. because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So that was a huge opportunity that he missed out on. Uh, the Russian team is usually um, 
composed of younger players at each year's uh, World Junior Challenge. And that event did not happen this year either due to the pandemic. So, you know, he's a guy that not a lot of people have seen internationally yet, although he did play at the Lincoln Gretzky Cup last summer. And, you know, he could be a guy that could go a lot of places in the draft. You know, if you look at him and just pure talent, pure offensive upside, he could be, you know, a top 15 pick because there's not a lot of guys who can handle the puck like he can. You know, if the best case scenario happens, he's going to be a guy who puts up a lot of points. But he could also be someone that flies into the late 20s, maybe even into the second round because of concerns, you know, more related to his passport than anything else. Right. So that is to say that he does have a little bit of immaturity to his game. You know, off the puck, he's not great. Uh, sometimes he can make the wrong decisions, maybe try to do a little bit too much himself as opposed to playing with his teammates. But and if you just watch the guy, it's undeniable how much skill he has. You know, if he was coming up through the OHL, I think everyone would be raving about him. So he's definitely going to be a name to watch. If there's an NHL team out there that, you know, can look past the circumstances around him, just look at what he brings on the ice, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them thought it'd be worth taking that risk. Well, there's only it only takes one team to uh, feel that way. So we'll see where he goes on draft date. Now the sheet I'm looking at just lists F as his forward position. Do you know if he's a winger or a center? Winger. Yeah, I don't think he's the type of guy you can play center. He's not playing center right now. Okay. Yeah, I just don't think he's that right type. You know, he, he'll be much more effective on the wing. Excellent. All right, next up is a big Swiss defenseman listed at 6'5 and 225 pounds. Uh, we've seen him on the international stage before, uh, and I'm going to butcher his last name. Is it uh, Leon Bixel? I think it's pronounced Bixel. Bixel. Okay. Uh, again, my, my, my German is not the strongest either. Oh, okay, what do you like about uh, Leon? Let's go with the first name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a lot easier. Um, he's just a rare kind of player. You know, he's something of a throwback defenseman. He's huge. He's strong. But he's also really physical. He loves to throw hits. You know, he's not afraid to get his hands dirty in scrums after the whistle. He can really do a good job of boxing out opponents. But he's really smart for what he brings. He's surprisingly agile. He's quite athletic. You know, he's one of those raw defensemen who, when you watch him, you can tell that he's still young. He's still like Pickering in some ways, growing into his body. But there's just something about this kid that's really appealing. He's got, I guess you could say, a presence on the ice. You know, he as soon as the players get near him, sometimes you can see them, like, hesitate a little. He's not the type of guy that you want to go into the corners with. You know, players might hesitate a little bit if they try and cut inside against him because he's just so big and strong, and he's not afraid to use his size to his advantage. But what I really like him like about him is he plays at a good pace. You know, a lot of bigger guys like that, you know, they don't play very quick. You know, they, they don't play very consistent. You know, they might throw a big hit, you know, expend their energy and then get taken out of the play. Mm. But he does a really good job of keeping up with the pace of play. You know, he moves his feet. He's not afraid to move up the ice to pinch or to join the rush if he sees the opportunity. And, you know, you can't deny the success he had this season. You know, it's not easy to change countries near that age you know he went from switzerland to sweden started in their junior league worked his way up to the top pro league there the shl and played in 29 games yeah and there were some games this season where he played more than 20 minutes you know he was a guy that they tried out and he really genuinely earned a roster spot there and he was quite effective you know he he was able to keep up with the pace of play at the pros too you know he's winning battles against guys much older than him so when you look at what he brings, he, it's just a really appealing package. There's not a lot of guys in the NHL like him right now, but there's, there's just something special about him. He could be the type of guy who anchors a top penalty kill uh, pairing, you know, a guy who's just 
really, really effective at shutting down opposing forwards. He's not quite as good of a skater as someone like Pickering or Chesley, but he's able to keep up too. So I think a lot of teams will be really drawn to him because what he brings is pretty hard to find these days. Do you see him more of a, a second-round pick that could surprise and be a first-rounder, or where do you have him? Uh, I would see him most likely somewhere in the 20s, but he's another one of those guys that I wouldn't be surprised if a team reached for him. Hmm. You know, I could see him going as high as maybe the 15 neighborhood just because what he brings is so hard to find. You know, wow. he's just the type of guy that you, it's, you don't really see a lot of players like him in the NHL right now. But just when you look at all the different tools he possesses, it's a really enticing package. And he should be able to develop all of them quite well over time. You know, he's already, you know, surpassing what people expected out of him this season. All right. Uh, the next guy on our list uh, to round out the under-the-radar category would be uh, Philip Bystad, uh, a, a Swedish player. Um, who, again, who I don't know anything about. So please educate me on Philip Bystad. Yeah, he's a really interesting player. And I feel like he's gone definitely under the radar a lot this season. You know, I've seen him ranked all throughout the second round, maybe even in the third. But a lot of times when I watch him, he looks like a guy who could be a first-round talent. You know, you, sometimes you have to look at players and what their tools are, a little bit more so than how they use them necessarily. Like with Bystad, he's a big center. He's got great hands. He's a surprisingly good, smooth, agile skater. You know, he hits a really nice top gear. He's just a guy with a lot of interesting tools and a lot of upside. You know, he didn't have a bad season by any means. You know, he's well over a point per game in the Swedish Junior League. He led his team in scoring. He played 15 games in the SHL, scored a couple of points. You know, those, those are certainly good traits. Those mm -hmm. are good numbers. Um, he did have a bit of a disappointing U18 tournament. He was their second-line center. He didn't have the greatest line mates. He wasn't necessarily the most effective. You know, that Swedish team really relied on their top line more than anything else. So maybe that hurt his draft stock a little bit. But he's just a guy that I see developing really well. You know, there are times when I watched him this season where he was maybe a little lackadaisical, you know, didn't always push the pace. There'd be some shifts where he'd be hard to find. But when you look at what, where he could go, if everything kind of comes together, you know, if you get him to focus a little bit more on his pace, you know, you get him a little bit more involved on a consistent basis. I think he's a guy who could really, really grow and develop. You know, it's always about finding the guys who are going to be good in the NHL, not necessarily who's really good right now. Right. And he's a guy that I could see taking really, really big strides. And I also wouldn't be surprised if a team wanted to grab him, you know, late in the first round because he has a lot of upside as a second line center who generates points, but also could play a nice defensive game too if he can work on that side of uh, the pocket. Well, you can't teach size. He's uh, 6'4 and 205 pounds already on the sheet that I'm looking at. Uh, so if uh, you know if he can fill out a little bit more and be playing at 6'4 and 220 or something like that, that's a that's a big wagon in the middle of the ice as a center. Now he's a lefty, so we uh, you know the right-handed centers seem to be uh, all that more popular. But uh, all right, we'll watch for Philip Bystead as a potential uh, late first-round pick. Interesting. Uh, Derek Newmeyer from FC Hockey is my guest. Now we get into the uh, the personal favorite. If you got a late round sleeper or something like that, and you're going with a guy that I saw early in the season, and I thought, man, this guy could have a pretty strong year. Uh, Reed Dick, goaltender with the uh, Swift Current Broncos, so another Bronco on, on your list. Uh, his overall stats this year, they don't sound great. 426 goals against average and an 884 save percentage, but uh, there were definitely moments throughout the season when I saw him play where you could see there is definitely potential there. Put the set, how do you, how do you set the stats aside though 
and look at him and say, oh, that's a goalie I should get. Yeah, it's it's funny to kind of view Reed Dick as something of a sleeper, considering he ha- he was a real standout at the top prospects game this year. Yep. You know, he came in into the back half of the game and made some dynamic saves, and then he was the goalie for Canada at the U18 tournament and also bailed that team out a lot. So it does feel a little weird to you know to consider him a sleeper, but I wouldn't be surprised if he went pretty high in, in the draft. You know, maybe within the top 100 picks, because you got to look at the tools that he has the development runway he has and where he could be. You know, he's a big guy at about six foot three or six foot four, but he's still pretty slight. You know, he's still growing into his body. He's got more room to add on some weight and some mass that'll help, you know, cut down a lot of the net. He's pretty athletic too. And he's really composed. You know, there are a lot of times in that uh, tournament uh, for Canada where he was facing two on ones and breakaways and just all these prime scoring chances and didn't rattle him. You know, he didn't stop all of the shots, of course. You know, his save percentage numbers from that tournament aren't great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, put most other goalies in his spot, and, you know, they would have let in twice or three times as many shots. You know, he's just a guy who's really coming along nicely. I saw him earlier in the season uh, with Swift Currents, and I thought he was great. He had a really, really big win in that game. Um, he's just, yeah, I, I really like the long-term upside here. You know, when I was talking about Pickering and what Swift Current is like and, you know, what their team's going to look like in the next couple of years, this is a guy who's going to get a lot of starts. He's going to be their number one goalie with Isaac Poulter um, aging out of the WHL. You know, he, he could start 50-plus games next season, maybe 50-plus games after that, and be part of, like, a team that can challenge for a WHL title. So even though he's got some things to work on now with his technique and his rebound control and sometimes his ability to see pucks through traffic, he's going to get every opportunity to work on those things. He's probably going to be a guy that's still on Hockey Canada's radar, so he'll be exposed to that kind of development, those kind of resources. You know, even though he's not the most polished or complete goalie right now, I really think he's going to take big strides next season and the season after that and could be someone who genuinely develops into a number one goalie in the NHL because he's going to get every chance to be the number one in Swift Current. Yep. He might be the number one for Hockey Canada at the World Juniors in a couple of years. So, you know, that's that's a pretty good, you know, job experience, right? If you're trained to be a number one now and you can see it as a number one in the WHL, you know, it, it certainly bodes your chances or helps your chances to become a number one at the highest level. Yeah, it's always a challenge for the goalies who are in their draft year, but they're the number two guy on their team because they don't get to play a lot. Uh, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you're you're right. Reed Dick is going to take over that role next year for the Broncos. And we talked about Swift Current about how next year they're going to be good. The year after that might be their year to go for it. He's going to be the uh, the guy between the pipes for that team. So yeah, definitely get in on the ground floor uh, with Reed Dick. Now there's another guy who uh, I always ask the the scouts to come on and tell me there's a guy you like, but not nearly as much as everybody else seems to like him. And for you, that would be. Kamloops Blazers defenseman Mats Lindgren. Uh, what gives you some pause here with Lindgren? Yeah, and overall, I should clarify, I do still like Lindgren. Yeah. You know, we at SC Hockey have him in the top 100 on our draft board. You know, he's certainly a guy that you know could make the NHL one day. There's no doubt about that. You know, we're not trying to write him off or anything. But, you know, I've seen some people list him in, like, the second round, maybe rank him as high as the 30s, but that would be a little bit higher than I'd like to go. I just worry about where his game's going to go from here. You know, he's a good puck-moving defenseman at this level, but I don't necessarily see anything overly elite about him. He's a good skater. He's got good edge work. 
he's strong on his feet, but sometimes I find his agility a little bit lacking. He's a little bit stiff. Uh, for a defenseman who needs to, you know, make his money by moving the puck, sometimes I find he can be a little bit ineffective in the rush, maybe not quite as effective as you'd like to see, you know, transitioning the puck from his own zone all the way up. Um, he plays power play minutes at this level, and he's okay at it, but I find he gets a bit of tunnel vision at times, maybe not the most creative player, maybe doesn't quite find the opportunities as much as you'd like to see. You know, he, he did put up good points this season with 44 points in 68 games and then seven points in 17 games in the playoffs. So you can't discount that. But when I watched him, I didn't find he was really driving a lot on that power play. You know, it was mostly, you know, get the puck, pass it to Logan Stankoven, and then <laughs> Logan Stankoven would make something happen. So there were a lot of times where Lingren was picking up points, but he wasn't necessarily the one generating a lot of that offense. So when you look at some of the attributes to his game and what he's going to be, I do worry about how he's going to fit into an NHL roster. You know, he's an okay puck mover, but he's not overly dynamic at it. He's okay on the power play, but he's not overly dynamic at it. You know, he maybe he becomes a guy who plays third pair minutes and, you know, gets second power play time. Maybe he doesn't even quite get that far. So he's certainly the type of defenseman that you want to draft at some point and hope that you can, you know, develop his game up a little bit, maybe improve his skating, make him a little bit more agile, hope that he kind of becomes a little bit more creative and sees the ice better with opportunity, which he will get in Kamloops. You know, they're going to be the Memorial Cup hosts next season, so he's going to be playing meaningful hockey there. He is going to be probably on their top pair next season. So he's a guy who's going to get a lot of chances to grow his game, but I would just advise people to be maybe a little bit cautious about projecting what he could be at the next level. Yeah, listed at six foot, 175, 178 pounds, something like that. Uh, so fairly average, maybe even uh, slightly below average size for an NHL defenseman. Uh, and the 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 point differential between his goals and assists, I think, stands out to me too. And uh, I don't, I haven't seen enough of Matt Lindgren to to really have a feel for that. But when a guy has 44 points, only five of them are goals. I'm thinking he's not necessarily the threat on the power play, much like you described, probably the guy who moves the puck around and uh, then it's uh, the offensive uh, forwards like uh, Stankoven, Toporowski had a really good year, and they've got other forwards as well. But, you know, he gets touches on the power play, not necessarily the threat to uh, pull the trigger, though. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's 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 going to help him now. He's going to get those points, but is he going to be the guy who gets those same kind of opportunities at the higher level? Right. Uh, I don't know. I, I have some questions about how much power play time he's going to get because you do want a guy who can truly quarterback a power play from the point, not just someone who makes the simple passes around, you know, around the outside, but you want a guy who's really driving things and opening things up himself. Terrific stuff, Derek. I really appreciate your time. Uh, enjoy the draft. And again, everybody that wants to uh, get a look at the upcoming release of the rankings for FC Hockey, where do they go? Yeah, it's NHLEntryDraft.com. You can also find us on Twitter. We're going to have a ton of draft content coming out in the next month. Really appreciate your time, Derek. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. That was Derek Newmeyer from FC Hockey uh, with his look at a bunch of uh, guys he would consider to be under the radar uh, going into the 2022 NHL draft. That is going to wrap up this week's episode of the program. A quick thank you and a shout out to everybody who has been signing up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show early access to all the interviews that you hear on a full episode although spoiler alert 
this conversation with Derek Newmeyer. There won't be early access for that one uh, because as soon as I get it done and edited, I am putting the show together and releasing it as a whole. In comparison, the interview with David Goyette that's in this episode has been available to patrons for about 10 days now uh, as I did that with him. Actually, a little bit more than that, like almost two full weeks. Next week on the program, we're going to continue getting to know some players for the 2022 NHL draft. Have one of those I guess already uh, confirmed. Well, I'm not going to spoil who that is, though. And also have uh, one or two or three scouts already lined up. Next week, we'll be able to reflect on the Memorial Cup and what happened. And then it is uh, entirely a focus on the upcoming NHL draft. So lots to get to. Between now and then, get out and watch some uh, Memorial Cup hockey if you can. Maybe you're watching the American League hockey playoffs with the Calder Cup. And, of course, I'm sure you're tuned in for the NHL Stanley Cup Final as well. Until next week, this has been the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. My name is Keith Flaming. See ya.